0: xbox on welcome to xbox on a podcast with one host about one console xbox i'm said host jesse Derosa, and on today's episode we talk about the latest xbox news for the week of october 26 2023 including xbox shines on microsoft's recent financial earnings satya nadella is doubling down on video game production for those who don't know that's Microsoft's ceo halo infinite is shining bright following a successful season update and more this day in Xbox history, in the year 2008, 15 years ago, Guitar Hero World Tour was released for the Xbox 360. Shout out to Guitar Hero World Tour, my favorite of the Guitar Hero franchise. I know it's a little bit of a controversial take, because it seems like most people are either team Guitar Hero 2 or Guitar Hero 3, depending on kind of which one you got your hands on first. But, listen, no, no, uh, no slight to those games. My first Guitar Hero was also Guitar Hero 2. Love that game. Guitar Hero 3... There's no denying that Guitar Hero 3 is probably in a way the most special Guitar Hero game because it is not only the last Guitar Hero that's this that, that was like that guitar focused because it was before they introduced the band element, but also it was just like they had really nailed the game by that point. Like all the track list for Guitar Hero 3 is so legendary. And then of course, like just the the absolute like the way they translate those songs into gameplay was so extra fun and arcadey and challenging in Guitar Hero 3 that I understand and respect the camp of people that say Guitar Hero 3 is the superior entry in the franchise, but that being said, I don't know what it is. It's just for some reason World Tour is just the one that, that for me is my favorite. I feel like it still has a lot of that Guitar Hero 3 like difficulty, really fun. These songs translate well into into uh, gameplay kind of songs, but also has a much more varied track list with modern and classic songs featuring a lot of artists i really loved and then i just love the way this game brought out the band concept i think and i maybe another popular or hot take but uh i i actually think guitar hero as a band game was a lot more fun than rock band even though rock band always had more more tracks and therefore superior set lists it's still to this day i think rock band kind of is boring to play personally but it's, you know, you can't argue with that track list, because Rock Band has a great, listen, we're getting into the weeds of the Guitar Hero, it's it's a possibility you're listening to this podcast, and you're too young to have been there for the the wave of Guitar Hero, and in, in, in plastic instrument uh, genre, the, the genre of plastic instrument games altogether, from uh, the early to mid, yeah, early to mid aughts, yeah, it's kind of died out around the early 2010s, but you can even go back a little further with like some SingStar games, and things like that, I mean, DJ Hero happened shortly after Guitar Hero and all that. whatever. I miss this era so much. I love these games. I think these in my opinion are the perfect party games and the thing I really love so much about the Guitar Hero series is not many games of this genre can do this where it is simultaneously a really excellent party game and a really really fun. I wouldn't say like necessarily like hardcore game, but like a game that you you can be a hardcore gamer and still get a lot of value, a lot of enjoyment out of this game and I mean I guess you could say the same about like Mario Kart or whatever and and, you know and I have of course I've poured tons of hours into various Mario Kart entries but there's something about Guitar Hero where like I would have an equal amount of fun on Guitar Hero whether I was playing by myself alone all day every day or whether it was like I'm at my buddy's house and everyone's bringing over their plastic instruments because we can't play real instruments but we're all just jamming out together on Guitar Hero there's something about it where it was just like very different but still equally fun experiences to try and like, I'm going to try to do fire and flames on FC on expert mode. No one ever fucking did that. I don't, you know, no one I knew ever did that, but you know, like to try and do those things. Like I, I remember feeling like the, the sense of accomplishment when I finally completed cliffs of Dover on expert mode and guitar hero three, or, or just like, I don't know, like trying to five star guitar hero world tours a lot easier than guitar hero three. So I remember just trying like five star every track in the game to the best of my ability. and, being a little underwhelmed where they're like oh yeah guitar hero world tour their version of through the fire and flames is um hot for teacher by van halen i'm like yeah, fuck right it is like they, that song is so easy i mean it is hard on on drums i think that was the the kicker but like c- come on now come on hot for teacher it was that was that was that was a walk in the park compared to through the fire and flames but anyway shout out to guitar hero world tour and also just shout out to guitar hero in general i'm sure i'm not the only one who was uh actually this is something i just got to give Inadvertently, props to Activision for strangely enough, where like just so many of um so many of my favorite artists I was exposed to, uh, due to Activision published games like the Tony Hawk games or the Guitar Hero games. So I guess really that comes down to like Vicarious Visions and NeverSoft and these developers that made these Tony Hawk and Guitar Hero games. Like I so do I mean. I grew up in a household with like older punk rock brothers, so I had a lot of exposure to like nineties and, and early two thousands like punk rock and hardcore and all that stuff and then emo and all that other subgenres and spin-off genres and what what have you. But uh, so much of that music that I got exposed to and those artists I fell in love with from a young age, thanks to playing games like Guitar Hero and uh, World Tour has an exceptional playlist, in my opinion. Also, I don't remember if this you know this is on the game. This isn't DLC. Lazy Eye by Silver Sun Pickups. I'm not one of those people that has like a favorite song of all time or a top three songs of all time. I think that's an impossible question to answer, at least for me it is. But, I don't know, Gun to My Head, Lazy Eye by Silver Sun Pickups, top five songs of all time. Not not of the Guitar Hero franchise, not of the decade in which the song hails from, of all time. That's a fucking perfect song. Anyway, guys, welcome to Xbox On. I'm getting a little nostalgic because here we are. Anytime we talk about video games from the, the mid to late aughts, especially that like, 07 to 09 era, ooh, you get me all nostalgic and bubbly, you know, it's uh, it's just one of those games, it's one of those times for me, so, shout out to Guitar Hero World Tour, and let's move on to an Xbox podcast, it's not all about Guitar Hero, although, maybe it's timely, Xbox just acquired Activision, we've got a little bit of Guitar Hero in the news lately, rumors, murmuring, suggestions that maybe Guitar Hero will come back under Xbox's ownership, I don't know, maybe, honestly, they could just do Guitar Hero World Tour reissued, call it reissued, because it's a, it's a nice nod to like a music term, but also literally just put the game on modern Xbox consoles and re-release that hardware, maybe make it a little more sturdy than it was back in 08, but just re-release the, those controllers. Let me buy them again. Let me give you 200 I believe it was $200 for a full band kit back in 08, so with today's inflation and all the fucking price gouging that goes on and all the nonsensical uh, just everything, I, I, I assume $200 for a Guitar Hero kit in 2008 would be like... Seven hundred ninety-five fucking dollars in today's money, but whatever. You could probably take out a loan. You can probably finance it with six, uh, six easy zero percent interest uh, 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 payments with through Affirm um, if you want to shop it that way. But anyway, uh, we are going to actually move on this time. Shout out to Guitar Hero World Tour. Shout out to you for endearing this opening five minutes of the podcast. And uh, let's let's go on, guys. All right, we got a couple of games coming out this week. In fact, let's not let's not downplay. It. We got a lot of games coming out. This is a big. Release week. In fact, honestly, I think this is probably one of the last few weeks of the year that's going to be this big in terms of just the number of notable games releasing. Of course, we still got some big games coming in November and even some in December, but I mean, this is for me. I mean, after this, it's really just like Call of Duty and that new Avatar Pandora game. But I mean, this week to me is just really notable list of games. So, starting off with a big one for Game Pass Cities Skylines 2. Is a Day 1 Game Pass game from Paradox Interactive, available now as of the time I'm recording this. You can play it right now. Important to note, this is a city sim building game, and it is not available on console. This is a PC-exclusive game, and it is, a, it is a Day 1 Game Pass title if you have PC Game Pass or Game Pass Ultimate. So... Shout out to people who like that kind of stuff. I know this is a big game for that the, people who enjoy these kinds of games, but i got to be honest here. This isn't something I'm, I'm qualified to speak on or care enough to really get into. So Cities Skylines 2, that's your thing. I'm sure you're playing that right now instead of listening to this podcast. Moving on, Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume 1 is out now, and this is a, a huge shift because uh, this is a, a collection of games I do plan on buying with re-releases of the old Metal Gear Solid games. I uh, actually... Forget This one has Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, and Peace Walker, if I'm not mistaken, um, and then the Metal Gear Solid 3 Delta comes out later, and that's a separate From the Ground Up remake, whereas this collection is more of like an uprise port collection. But yes, it's it's out. Um, this is like the only way to really play the original Metal Gear Solid on Xbox, so it's kind of a really notable deal in that regard, um, because Metal Gear Solid, one of the most important franchises in the, to the history of gaming Finally, Xbox players are going to have access to that original Metal Gear Solid game that released all the way back in the... What year did MGS1 come out? Was that 98? I want to say that was 98. I could be wrong. Oh, you know what? Here, I'm on a Windows PC. Let's ask... Let's ask... Uh, let's ask Bing. There we go. 1998. I was right. Anyway, so it's first time this game's been playable for Xbox players. Um, huge deal. And then we'll get Metal Gear Solid 3 Delta, which is a ground-up remake of that game, coming soon. And now there are rumors and leaks suggesting suggesting that deep in the files of this collection there are references to Metal Gear Solid 4 and 5, um, as well as Peace Walker, uh, the PSP game, suggesting that those games are all coming in a separate remaster collection. Having Metal Gear, those those other two don't matter as much, but Metal Gear Solid 4 would be a big one because Metal Gear Solid 4 is the only other Metal Gear game that's never been available on Xbox because that game was a PlayStation 3 game from, and I'm not going to guess this one again, but I, I'm, actually I want to say 2008, speaking of my nostalgia, and uh, that game has never made it off of the PS3. In fact, it, it's... This isn't one of those like PlayStation has the upper hand things. Like you could be on PS4, PS5, you're not playing Metal Gear Solid 4. It's just stranded on the PS3, along with its cell processing and it's difficult to develop for hardware and all the rest. That game is just stranded on on that console. So this would be a big deal. It would be really great to finally have the full Metal Gear Solid collection, uh, not not you know reference to this release of games, but rather the actual. Collection, the actual franchise, all available in one place, and if you're on Xbox, that wouldn't be a bad deal to have all these games available to you, so hopefully we hear more on that in the near future, but for now, the Metal Gear Solid Remaster Collection Volume 1 is officially out, that is something I do plan on picking up later down the road when I'm not so busy with other games slash moving, uh, but yeah, and then next up, Ghost Runner Two is out now. Actually, yeah, it's out as of the day this podcast goes live, uh, which is could be could be had for forty dollars. It's uh, available for pre-order in the meantime, and it's uh, being published by Five Hundred Five Games. Um, I know people really love the first Ghost Runner. I played a demo of the first one. I played like an hour of it. Really cool game. I really expected it to hold my attention more than it did, but I, I it just I it lost me. It's a very cool game though. Like I, there's no denying that game is creative and very fun. To look at, although it just didn't hold me gameplay wise for some reason. But moving on, um, all, all right, I'll save the best for last. Let's skip and go to this penultimate one here. Terminator Resistance Complete Edition is out this Friday, the 27th, from Reef Entertainment. It's an optimized game for Series S and X. Apparently, this game is kind of good, it's gotten solid reviews. So, if you're a Terminator fan looking for a licensed Terminator video game, this might be something worth checking out. But I, I don't know. I, I saw a trailer for it. That's about it. But lastly, and certainly we're saving the best for last year. The most notable game coming out this week that I just got to bring up because I'm so excited to play it is Alan Wake 2. Comes out this Friday, October 27th. Published by Epic Games. Of course, developed by Remedy Entertainment. One of the great developers of all time. For 60 bucks, that's right, this game is not $70. And it's also not available uh, physically. It's only available digitally. Um, but for 60 bucks, this game is optimized for Series S and X and is the the, uh, the, the follow-up to the first Alan Wake, which came out in 2010, what was that, May 2010 for Xbox 360? And so, yeah, this is very, very exciting, uh, I'm sure. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know Alan Wake was like the blind spot in Remedy's lineup of games that I had never played until earlier this year. I finally sat down and played it, loved it, went back and played American Nightmare, which was the spin-off Xbox Live Arcade kind of, you know, a little add-on accoutrement thing and i love that as well and now i'm just so excited for alan wake 2 and uh yeah so that is out this friday i already got it pre-ordered i got it pre-loaded ready to go on my xbox tomorrow when this podcast goes live the review embargo lifts i'm very curious to see how this game does critically here's my guess for what happens with alan wake 2 it will get pretty solid critical reviews i'm guessing a metacritic score of around a 86 or so that's like the ballpark of where it's going to end up and then so it'll be it'll be reviewed pretty well it'll be pretty well regarded by um, gamers and, and people who are fans of either horror games or these kinds of mystery type suspense thriller games or just generally like enthusiasts of gaming in general so I suspect it will it will be popular among those people but the game will probably severely underperform in terms of commercial success and and, and probably be a huge financial flop which won't matter because it's being published by epic games so who cares at the end of the day remedy will still get paid but uh, unfortunately it's not good when that you know when that kind of thing happens so I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not very confident this game is going to really move and shake and, and matter to a lot of people, but God damn it. It matters to me. And so we have to mention it. Alan Wake two. Um, I am a little surprised that here I am pre-ordered, pre-downloaded, ready to go Alan Wake 2, day one, but there's a brand new Spider-Man game that just came out a week ago and I, and I haven't, I, I, I haven't played it. I haven't, I don't have access to it. So this is, this is new for me. Okay. I, I do feel like I'm kind of, um, I'll be honest, I do feel like I'm kind of like betraying myself or like a version of myself. It's like, dude, if I was 10 years old and you're like, Jesse, you're going to be an adult one day with your own disposable income and your own autonomy and your own ability to go out and make financial decisions for yourself. okay? and there's going to be a day in the month of October in the year 2023 where there's going to be a brand new kick ass Spider-Man game as well as a brand new kick ass Mario game. And they're both going to come out like the same freaking day. And everyone's going to have nothing but amazing things to say about both games. And you are not going to buy or play either of those games. I would be like... A uh, ten-year-old Jesse denounces twenty-eight-year-old Jesse and uh, also thinks he is dumb and a loser. Uh, but knowing ten-year-old Jesse, if I'm being honest, I'm, listen, I'm not proud of it, but I'm just being honest. I'd probably say twenty-eight-year-old Jesse is gay. Um, but that's you know whatever. Listen, things things happen. Okay, we'll get to the, we'll get to Spider-Man Two. I'm waiting for it to come to PC. This is this is really testing my ability to refrain from buying a PS Five because so far this generation, I've been trying to do the whole like listen. It's excessive. I don't need all the video game consoles. I don't need all the games. It's too, there's not enough time. There's not enough money. There's not enough attention to distribute. Let's try to let's try to reel it in a little bit. Let's let's focus more on Xbox. I don't need to have a PS5. And so far, I've done a pretty good job. You know, I I love Ratchet and Clank, but I'll wait for it to come to PC, right? And now it's on PC, so I can play it there. And oh man, God of War Ragnarok. I know I want to play that game, but I'll play it when it comes to PC, and I'm sure it'll be on PC in the next six to twelve months. So that's fine. That's fine. We'll wait. But damn, Spider Man Two. That is testing my patience real hard. Like every day I come to work, my coworkers are talking about Spider Man. Yo, did you see this on Spider Man last night? And, oh yeah, did you get to the part where blah 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 happens? And I'm I'm putting my hands over my ears. I'm like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Shut up. I, Don't talk about this for another year until it comes to Steam. Then I can play it. Um, so it's 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 tough. It's very tough. I'm seeing screenshots. The game looks beautiful. I have no doubt that it's anything less than amazing. But we're not there yet. So. If I'm going to even buy a PS5, man, it's, I swear it's this fucking Spider-Man game. Uh, anyway, let's uh, let's move on from that. So that's it for the games coming out this week. Alan Wake 2, very much can't wait to, to give you a try to, to pop you in my Xbox and see what you're all about. Um, digitally speaking, of course. And with that said, let's move on to the mildly amusing stories, updates, things from last week, previous weeks uh, that we need to follow up on, or stories that just don't really warrant too much of a discussion, but are worthy enough of a couple minutes of our time. So starting off with this first one here from VGC, Pentiment director Josh Sawyer has said that he'd like to make a third entry in the Pillars of Eternity series if he could secure a budget similar to that of Boulder's Gate 3. In an interview with Touch Arcade, Obsidian designer director was asked whether he'd make Pentiment 2, Pillars of Eternity 3, or Fallout New Vegas 2 uh, if he had an unlimited budget, no time limitations, and a dream development team, to which she said, quote, I don't think I'd make a peniment too, Sawyer responded. I really do feel very satisfied with that game. It's not like I don't want to return to it ever, but I just did it, so I'm probably I'd probably wait on that. If I were ever truly to have a limited budget, I think I would try Pillars of Eternity 3 because I know what budget uh, there was for Deadfire, which was not a whole lot, and I have heard from multiple people what the budget was for Baldur's Gate 3. I'm not going to talk about numbers, but if I got that budget, sure, I'd make Pillars of Eternity 3. Xbox-owned studio Obsidian Entertainment's next game, *Avowed*, will be released next year in 2024. Although it's not being directed by Sawyer, it has previously been uh, he ha- who has previously worked on the *Icewind Dale* series, uh, but he rose to great prominence as director of *Fallout: New Vegas*. "Quote: Expanding the universe that we've created with the original pillars of *Attorney's* games, *Avowed* brings a new perspective, a new way to fight, it, and a new land to explore in the world of Eora. Obsidian studio head uh, Fergus your your core heart you i'm sorry i said earlier this year the pillars games are near and dear to us and we can't wait to share about with everyone next year in avowed you'll explore the living lands a plague wet wild islands set in the world of eora the lands are full of mysterious secrets danger and adventure um okay so we're talking about obsidian entertainment who i would say is probably xbox's most like workhorse top tier studio as of now in terms of uh xbox teams that have proven themselves to be incredibly incredibly reliable um, to deliver great products in great timelines with great uh, consistency and to just just really be a a really shining star as to what team xbox um, is capable of and can put out there and so with that said we're talking about a top dog team and These guys have been making before they were on Team Xbox, before they were first party, back when they were a little more nimble, trying to move from project to project and working on slimmer shoestring budgets, so to speak. They were working on the Pillars of Eternity series. Now, we all know Avowed, while not directly a sequel to Pillars of Eternity 2 or anything like that, it is set in the same universe. So, kind of like how Fallout 3 is set in the Fallout universe, but you don't necessarily need to go play the old Fallout 1 and 2 um, on PC that no one's really familiar with in order to really enjoy and experience Fallout 3. Um, it's just one of those things where it's like, if you're familiar with the Pillars of Eternity series, the world of Avowed will be more enriching, more fulfilling. You'll be more familiar with kind of the lore and in the in, in the world that they've built out there. So it's kind of in that in that vein. And what he's basically saying is like, hey, if we could do a Pillars of Eternity 3, but with that budget that they had for boulders gate three which just came out and in, into a to a huge roaring success a few months back you know we would love to go and do something like that uh here we are working on about finishing that up but you know if it, you're just asking me kind of a a blue sky like money time nothing's uh nothing's out of the question what would i do yeah i'll go with pillars with pillars three which is interesting because the only reason i bring this up is just because josh sawyer he's he, he gets in the news a lot just for you know, for saying things, for like fantasizing and daydreaming about what ifs, and doing these interviews and things like that. So he he ends up in the news a lot for these kinds of quotes. But the reason why I find this one notable is just because it's like, well, if if the thing is time and money, you know, while I guess you can't always have the the dream team, the perfect team you want, because you know, procuring the talent isn't always as simple as just being like, hey, I work for Microsoft and I have money. So at least two out of three, the time in the money aspect, it's like, I mean, you guys could make. I would assume a Pillars of Eternity 3 with the budget and time uh, that was given to a game like Baldur's Gate 3, or at least I assume because my understanding with the way Phil makes it seem and with the way these games have all these various Xbox first-party games have been in development with nothing to show for over these past five, six, seven years, uh, is that Xbox will basically be like, what game do you want to make? Oh, you want to go make a big, expensive Pillars of Eternity 3? Okay, go fuck off for eight years, and here's a, here's 200, here's two hundred $200 million, go fucking do that. Uh, a little bit exaggeratory, I, I know, but it is just to say that that is kind of how Xbox runs their first party. Maybe it's something they're trying to get away from, but it is how they have been running their first party for quite a while and it's part of why xbox quote-unquote has no games it's just because you know maybe poor production and in team management um or maybe just teams that have been given so much money and time to do whatever they want that they're they're really taking their sweet ass time delivering or maybe a little bit of column a column b uh but regardless of the of of what specifically is the point it just it would it would seem to me that if Obsidian wanted to make a Pillars of Eternity 3 that is super high budget, super fleshed out, like no 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 expense spared kind of experience, I feel like they could make that game. And so with him saying that, knowing Avowed is on the horizon and knowing that in some ways Avowed is kind of that game, but also knowing that at least in his mind, Avowed isn't that game because there's a Pillars of Eternity that isn't, uh, oh, now we have the money and the time to make whatever we want we're going to make a big 3D open world um, uh, uh, Pillars of Eternity game. It's like, no, that's avowed. And then Pillars of Eternity with a big budget and a long game development time uh, would be something else. It's like, well, damn, now I'm kind of curious to see what that would be. As someone who's probably never going to really play Pillars of Eternity, to be completely fair, I am curious to see what that is because there's no doubt that this the success to Baldur's Gate 3 is a team that was given the time and the money to take a series that is as niche and as nerdy and as... Um, as involved as, as Baldur's gate. And then just to be able to do it up to the nth degree, because you have the manpower, you have the time, you have the, the funds and the, in the, in the allowance to do so, you know, and that's kind of what's drawn people to Baldur's gate that. And also, I just think the hardcore gaming audience is becoming a little bit more um, susceptible and open to like really hardcore nerdy shit. Thanks to from software and, and shit like Elden ring being huge. People just, people like obtuse and challenging and strategic games these days. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of shocked how mainstream that's coming becoming. I mean, I guess my brain's too too tiny to ever be one of those people and to be a part of that group, but I must say it is it is notable and I feel like if anyone's going to be able to jump in on this bandwagon and help reap some of the reward of this of this movement that's being had between games like Elden Ring and and um, and Baldur's Gate 3. Not to suggest those are similar games, but to suggest that these super hardcore nerdy games that, you know, Five, 10 years ago we would have considered to be like oh those are those are those kinds of games that have to be low budget and cater to a very specific audience because that specific audience will buy and support these games but they're not a big audience and so there's not too much money to be made there we're starting to see that narrative flip a little bit and i wonder if a pillars of Eternity 3 could attract a Baldur's gate 3 type of uh, level of attention um, or anything like that in a world where we're just seeing people uh, people are just not not really put off or filtered by Obtuse, obscure, difficulty, super in the weeds, nerdy ass RPG style games. So, man, maybe one day we'll what we'll the we'll we'll see. But again, like I said, pinch of salt um, because Josh Sawyer. Not to suggest that he's lying or making shit up or anything. He was asked a hypo- hypothetical question and he answered it appropriately. Uh, but he's just you know he, he he gets put on the spot a lot and quoted a lot in articles for his uh, his hypothetical responses to hypothetical what if type scenarios hypothetically of course uh all right let's hypothetically move on to the next one here which is um normally i don't cover like marketing stuff just because well that's not true a lot of what we cover technically is the marketing normally i wouldn't i wouldn't cover something that's this like uh, overtly marketing but it i don't know it's a, it's a slow news week and there is kind of something to be said here so it, you'll understand why i brought this up in a second all right so xbox has Kicked off its big holiday season marketing campaign with a brand new live action trailer, which they uh, they put up on on the Internet and on YouTube and everything the other day. And you'll probably start seeing a condensed version of this trailer, I assume, on Sundays uh, during commercial time on for NFL games and and for various big live events like that. So you'll start to see this commercial throughout the holiday season. Um, But it's 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 a new trailer titled um, Wake Up and Dream. Uh, So anyway. Oh, yeah, it says here that the trailer will debut during Thursday Night Football. So, look, I was already right. Um, okay, anyway, according to Microsoft, the, the this trailer is an immersive adventure story inspired by gamers and their dreams going beyond imagination and capturing the fun, joy, and community and love we all share for our favorite games and Epic Gaming Moments experience with our friends. So, Jesse, why are you talking about this? Are you really that that uh, desperate for for news to discuss on your podcast? Yes and no. There is a reason I'm bringing this up, and it's because not only is this just another ethereal, weird, modern Xbox commercial where someone's walking on the surface of the moon slash the sun slash in a uh, futuristic city slash uh, Nowheresville uh, and then touching a wall that turns into an Xbox and then they're at the couch playing the game and he goes, whoop, how are your dreams? Not only is it, yes, another one of those, those trailers, the reason why it's worth mentioning is because so this girl's like walking around, she's in space and it's like, oh look, it's Starfield. Okay, she's like walking through the world of Starfield and it's all cool and ethereal. All right, that makes sense. They're kind of hyping up a new game that's that's like their their hot title right now. Then she like walks into a new dimension, and it's like this creepy world where there's all these dangling lights and water and murky dark areas. And it's like, oh, it's Hellblade 2. And you hear all the whispering. It's like, okay, she's walking through this new world. It's Hellblade 2. And then she walks into the new world, and it's like Forza. It's like zoom, zoom, zoom. I'm a car. I'm going to go fast. Get in my way. Hong Kong, bitches. And it's a, it's a Forza world. Okay. All right. They're, they're advertising their latest games, games that they have coming up pretty soon. You know, big stuff worth talking about. Okay, nothing nothing to talk about here. Then the girl transports, you know, you can see the trailer online, but she's like transporting into like an apartment or something. She walks through like the wall and she sees like this, like it's like an out-of-body experience. And she sees this girl sitting down holding an Xbox controller in front of a TV and she's playing she's playing a video game. But the but the camera's focused on the girl and everything else has like a bokeh effect. So it's kind of like a blurred background. But if you listen closely to the audio, and the, and the trailer is trying to be a little discreet about it. But if you listen close to the audio and you, and you pause the video and you look real close to the TV. I could be making this up. I could be seeing things. But I watched it three times to be sure. And I'm pretty certain this girl's playing Call of Duty Black Ops 2. It's, it's definitely nuketown if it's a different black ops game whatever i'm wrong but this shit's nuketown okay she's running around nuketown i see it you can hear the gunfire it sounds like call of duty gunfire you can hear just the constant uh the just the the, the call of duty sounds that you know and i'm like okay this is different you know this girl goes from walking around starfield land and hellblade land and forza land and all this stuff and then she like goes into this apartment, opens a door, and sees like a different version of herself sitting down at a TV playing Call of Duty Black Ops 2. And it shows her for like two seconds. You got to like pause the video and and stare. You know, I I mostly caught on it, caught up, sorry, caught it because my stupid fucking ears couldn't not notice that that sounded like Call of Duty. So I had to rewind and watch it. Anyway, then the continue the, the trailer continues on. This is the only thing that throws a wrench in it, is that the last thing it shows before it's like power your dreams, Xbox, buy one, bitch. Um, is that she like l- walks out of the apartment and then busts a hole in the wall and is pulled into the world of Cyberpunk. It's like okay. Starfield, Hellblade, Forza, those are all Xbox games. Cyberpunk, that's third party. Okay, so, you know, it's a partner game. Obviously, Cyberpunk has its marketing campaign aligned with Xbox. That's not surprising. It's not shocking. It doesn't mean anything. I'm not trying to suggest Microsoft's going to go buy CD Projekt Red or anything like that. But it's like, okay. But it's weird how it's like, big Xbox title. Another big Xbox title. Another big Xbox title. Mystery game. Maybe Call of Duty? Shown off screen in the distance for a split second. Boom. Big uh, partner third party game, Cyberpunk 2077. And obviously, they're showing Cyberpunk because the new Phantom Liberty DLC. They're promoting that, so whatever. And then the trailer wraps up and it does the whole "power your dreams" by an Xbox dumbass. Um, so it wraps up with that, right? But I can't help but be like, did they have like an alternate version of this trailer where, like, after she walks into Forza land she like walks into like Halo Land or walks into like Avowed Land or something like, or Fable Land or something like that, right? And then goes into Cyberpunk Land because. It's really weird that she's in like Starfield Land, Hellblade, Forza Land, whatever, and then she walks into an apartment and there's like a, a like a mirror version of herself that's like, "Hello, stranger," and she's playing Call of Duty in the background off-screen, and then it goes back into these mystical lands and now she's in Cyberpunk Land and I can't help but think like, is there like an alternate version of this trailer where the Activision deal didn't go through where like she walks into Halo Land or something like that and then Cyberpunk? But then the deal, like, finalized so the marketing team was like, go with the B-Mode trailer. We don't have time to do the CG and the mocap and all the other shit. So just film a scene where the girl walks into an apartment and sees someone playing Call of Duty for two fucking seconds and then we'll do the cyberpunk scene. And I'm not trying to be super tinfoil hat here or anything, but it's like, they're they're nodding to Black Ops 2. So uh, when's that shit coming to Game Pass? So... Uh, I guess there's really not much to say here, there's not much to speculate on, I mean, Xbox now owns Activision, technically Black Ops 2 is a is a, a game owned by Microsoft and Xbox, so I mean, um, yeah, one day you assume Black Ops 2 will be on Game Pass and, you know, no one's gonna be super shocked to see that that happens, but what are they teasing here? Are they trying to get our jollies? I just thought that was a cool little nod, I guess, so I just want to mention that, listen, it's not every day I make a discovery it's like when I found out I was fat because I stood on the scale for the first time after 25 years of thinking I was normal weight. It's just, it's exciting. I got, I got something to talk about. So here, here's that. I just wanted to put that out there. Maybe watch the trailer. Let me know what you think. Maybe you watching. like Jesse? You stupid idiot. Clearly, she's playing Counter Strike Go for the Xbox 360. Part of the orange box. Um, I, was that CS Go or was that CS Source? What was that? The Counter Strike that was on. There's an Xbox Live Arcade version of Counter-Strike. Was that Counter-Strike GO? I don't... You know what? I actually don't give a shit. Let's move on. All right. One more small story before we get into the real news this week. Uh, Nintendo. Let's talk about Nintendo for a second. So, spoiler alert. This story is a whole lot of nothing, but I feel like we'd be remiss not to talk about it because people are going to be talking about this all week because it has to do with Nintendo commenting on Xbox. So, here we go. From VGC. Nintendo of America president Doug Bowser has commented on the company's relationship with Microsoft after Xbox uh, was revealed to be a potential suitor for the Mario maker. So just, you know, we don't have to read all of this. So just, just for context, we're going back to that, that big Xbox leak from a few weeks ago, referring to the email where Phil Spencer was talking to someone else uh, within the company, talking about Nintendo being a prime asset for Xbox and that, you know, the, the plan one day would be awesome to try and buy Nintendo and that Nintendo just doesn't realize that they're, that their future is with Xbox, being a part of Xbox. It's just taking them a really long time to realize that. So remember that email? Yeah, this is a, this is a nod back to that. So Nintendo CEO uh, Doug Bowser was in an interview with Inverse this this past week uh, where he was asked about that, and he was asked about their relationship with Xbox and what they thought about that news coming out, those, those leaks and everything to which he said. We have a great relationship with Microsoft. We consider them to be partners in many, many ways. And you only have to look at Nintendo Switch to see that partnership. Obviously, Minecraft is on Nintendo Switch. And we also brought Banjo-Kazooie to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. So we're looking forward to that partnership continuing. Not even mentioning um, Ori and the Blind Forest and Will of the Wisps as well. But anyway. Yep. So that is uh, that is much to do about nothing because uh, Nintendo CEO is basically uh, commenting but saying nothing. You know, it's like, oh, did you see... Uh, Did you see that? It's like politicians. It's like, oh, yeah, people are dying in the fucking streets and can't afford housing. What are you going to do about it? And then the politicians are like, we got to stop woke culture. And then everyone's like, woo. And it's like, well, that didn't answer the thing about the Americans that don't have fucking jobs and are dying in the streets. But uh, okay, whatever. And then we all just move on because we're constantly using PR to avoid actually addressing the problem or the concern. So, in this case, the problem or the concern, the homelessness and the uh, and the child hunger would be um, Microsoft's need to buy Nintendo, and the politicians skirting the question and uh, saying a whole lot of nothing would be Doug Bowser saying, Minecraft is on Nintendo Switch, newsflash, bitch! Minecraft's on PlayStation, okay? Um, so, anyway... Yes, of course, there is a little bit of a, a friendly relationship between Nintendo and Xbox these days, but you know what I think that really is? It's uh, Nintendo's more than happy to let you put your stupid shit on their console, and then they'll, they'll never give you a bone. Like, that's, that's really a one-way relationship when you think about it, because Nintendo doesn't need Xbox, and Xbox doesn't necessarily need nintendo but they'd like to have nintendo and they'd like that they'd like to have game pass uh be available on nintendo platforms someday in the future and they would like for uh nintendo to maybe be a part of xbox which is never going to happen however xbox lives in la la land where that might one day maybe sort of kind of happen and nintendo lives in the real world where they can uh shit out the same broken pokemon game every other year and people will buy it by the 30 millions of copies uh sold range because uh nintendo's got you by the balls for your nostalgia uh just like just like sonic the hedgehog doesn't have to put out a good game for me to plop down 60 70 bucks anyway told you it was a whole lot of nothing but hey nintendo said something about it so we had to cover it and there it is doug bowser um i don't know much about you but i i do hope um i do hope you enjoyed playing as as banjo and kazooie in the latest super smash brothers ultimate update now let's move on from the opening news stories into the proper run of podcasts beginning with the news just kidding we don't do that you know we don't do that we talk about the games i've been playing this week but before i can tell you about the games i have been playing this week gotta fuel myself up and tell you about what i've been eating addressing last week's just a year too negative sometimes i'm sorry i'm gonna have to be a little negative here normally i'm not an applebee's guy i think applebee's is kind of gross it's normally not a place i go to but you guys remember a couple months ago they were doing $12.99, $12.99, all you can eat boneless wings. And I was like, you know what? That's got me. I gotta give this a try. I'm just curious enough. For $13, I gotta give it a try and see what it was all about. And I went to Applebee's for like the first time in probably 20 years. And I was like, you know what? That was that was actually pretty good. For $13, all you can eat boneless wings. Not bad in today's economy. And I had a good time and we did it, and it was fun, and it was fine. So fast forward to this past weekend. My buddy is free and he goes, hey do you want to go to Walt Disney World tonight? And I said, yes, please. I would love to go to Walt Disney World tonight. So we meet up at Disney's Hollywood Studios, because this is the awesome thing about living in Orlando, Florida, is you can go to Disney World sometimes. And we go and ride the Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, which is a really good ride, and it was a lot of fun. And we rode it, and it was awesome. And then we went over the Slinky Dog Dash roller coaster because it was down for the night, and then it just went up right as we walked by it. So we were able to go on it with little to no weight. And so we rode the Slinky Dog roller coaster, and it was really cool. And my girlfriend was was there and when we wrote it a firework went off in the background so it was kind of cool because we were on the slinky dog roller coaster at toy story land and then we saw fireworks in the background while we were on the roller coaster and it was awesome and i said gee whiz this is a lot of fun i love disney world this is why i'm a disney adult because this is really fucking cool and then afterwards he was like all right it's like nine o'clock at night it's like nine thirty at night do you want to leave and go grab some food and i'm like I'm really poor right now, and I'm not eating anything that costs money. So do you know where we can go and get free food? And he goes, no, but I know where we can get dirt cheap food. And my girlfriend goes, ooh, dirt cheap food. We went to Applebee's a few months ago, and they have all-you-can-eat wings for $13. And it's really cheap, and it's pretty good. And it was like 9.30 at night, and it's like, ah, shit. You know what sounds good? $2 beer and $13 all-you-can-eat chicken wings. I'm like, unfortunately, that's within my budget. So we're going to go to Applebee's. Okay, good night. The Star Wars ride's fun. The Slinky Dog ride is fun. Now we're at Applebee's. Okay, we get in there. This poor fucking waitress. She's got like 57 tables. It's a Saturday, Friday night, Saturday night. She's got like 107 tables now, and she just we just throw us to her. Poor woman. She, she she comes over our table, and you can see like how stressed out she is. I'm just like, you take your fucking time. Do whatever you got to do. Forget about us if you need to. Because the the part of me that waited tables for 10 years like can't. Can't see another person in the, the restaurant industry struggling without just feeling an immense amount of guilt, even though I didn't do anything. So I'm just immediately like, you do what you got to do. Catch up on your work. You come to us when you have free time. Don't worry about it. And she's like, oh, okay, thank God. So we end up like spending like an hour at Applebee's just chilling, doing nothing. <laughs> we finally order, and she's like, oh, the uh, all-you-can-eat buffalo wings, 12 twelve ninety nine, 99 that's over. That promotion's over. It's not a thing anymore. I'm like, fuck me. Kind of wish we just went to talk about at this point. And then, uh, so we have to order off the normal menu, like humans. And so now, for like the first time in like 20 years, I'm looking at an Applebee's menu going, what the fuck are you supposed to order at, at Applebee's? So Applebee's keeps calling themselves the, the neighborhood restaurant, the restaurant in your neighborhood or whatever. I don't know. I don't know if it's a Spider Man reference, like your friendly neighborhood Applebee's or something. I don't get it. But I'm looking at the menu. I'm like, okay, I, what would you get if you go to like a TGI Friday's or a Chili's or something like that? Burgers are pretty safe bet, right? It's it's cheap. It's safe. Can't, how bad can you fuck up a cheeseburger at a chain restaurant? So I get the neighborhood burger, which is like their signature burger. It's like cheeseburger with like Big Mac sauce and, and pickles on it. So I'm like, okay, give me a fucking neighborhood burger, okay? $13. It's the same cost as the chicken wings, except I don't get unlimited burgers. Let's see what happens. This burger came out. I'm pretty sure this was, she goes, do you want pink or no pink? And and, and by the way, I don't take this out on the server. This is just what happened. It's just, it's just funny. It's just like, what do you expect when you go to a, a chain restaurant on a Saturday night that's slammed with no server staff? She's like, pink or no pink? I'm like, uh, I'll do pink, please. Medium, medium rare, whatever. And then she's like, okay. And the burger comes out like 30 minutes later. This poor like hostess slash bus runner slash table boy or whatever his fucking title is comes out. He's just like, here's the burger. Here's the fried teeth, And like runs. And I, I look at this burger. I'm like, this fucking burger looks sad. The lettuce is wilted. It's from 2013. Uh, the, the burgers are burnt. I'm like, pink. This isn't like, do you want medium or medium well? This is like, do you want... Burnt or obliterated. And the cheese is so melty that it looks like it's evaporated. And I'm like, oh, you know what they fucking did? They microwaved this bitch. They didn't cook this burger. They microwaved it. And you can tell because you ever, like, microwave something with cheese on it, and then the cheese gets, like, hard and bubbly and gross, and it's like you don't taste the cheese. It just, like, evaporates. It's like nothing ever was there. So that happens to this cheese. And so it's basically just two burnt patties with wilted lettuce. And I'm like, well, fuck. I'm not complaining about it. I'm not sending this back. Whatever. Just you chose to go out to Applebee's. You had to take responsibility for your actions. It is what it is. You know, I'm here to just hang out with my girlfriend and my friend, have a good time, get through the night. So we just fucking, I eat my my microwave obliteration burger. And I'm like, wow, you know what? Uh, There's a reason why until the $12.99 all you can eat boneless wings happened. There's a reason why I hadn't been to an Applebee's in like 20 years. And uh, so I just want to say what I've been eating fuck Applebee's not because they were understaffed that poor that poor server that took care of us I I hope that was an anomaly and that she hasn't been dealing with that lately but aside from that just the 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 chaos and the destruction of that restaurant and also just like the food on that menu that they they have the audacity to charge patrons money for terrible absolutely disgusting terrible um so shout out to shout out to uh Applebee's you suck I don't love you and uh while I don't normally go to these kinds of restaurants, I like to talk about it, I like the persona of me being a TGI guy. I know that used to be a meme on the show back in the day. I do have to say, all seriousness, if you put a gun to my head, you go, Jesse, you got to go to a, an Applebee's, a TGI, a Chili's, something like that. What are you, you going to do? Stand by what I've always said TGI Fridays is consistently the best of all of those restaurants. So laugh all you want, make the jokes. Who goes to I, I don't know what it is, but what I've noticed anecdotally from all my like meme obsession over these chain restaurants is that for some reason, everyone just kind of agrees that we all like like everyone likes chilies. It's like it's OK to like chilies and be like, yeah, chilies is all right. I go there like once or twice a year. Chili's is cool. Get a margarita and, and some fucking nachos or something like that. Like everyone's kind of cool with chilies. And then it's like Applebee's is like meh. And then TGI Fridays is like, oh, fuck TGI Fridays. And I'm over here just like, bitch. They're all basically the same restaurant, so how dare you come in here and act like there's a, a hierarchy? And then I'm hypocritically over here eating at all three of them simultaneously, saying there is a hierarchy, and it's Applebee's at the bottom, it's Chili's in the middle, and it's TGI Fridays a little a little above the top. It's like it's like there's the top, and then above that is TGI Fridays because it's just it's just this extra step above the rest. So shout out to TGI Fridays, fuck you Applebee's, burning my microwave obliteration burger, and also shout out to. Uh, Disney World. I like Disney World. It's fun to go play there. I like not having kids and being a big adult baby and riding the Star Wars ride sometimes. It's fun. Okay. That's it for what I've been eating. Guys, let's move on over to the what I've been playing. And I'm very excited to talk about this this week because Halo 5. Nope. I said that last week and I I fucked up again this week. Halo Infinite. I wish it was Halo 5, but Halo Infinite Season 5 dropped late last week. And uh, I finally got in some time to sit down and play it. And spoiler alert, it's fucking phenomenal. It's uh, it's really, really exciting, and it warms my heart in all the right ways and in so many, many ways. That I don't know how many ways you can warm a heart. Maybe you can grill it on the burger grill, or maybe you can fucking microwave it like they did with my cheeseburger at Applebee's. But it, it warms my heart nonetheless to say that Halo Infinite is in a place right now where I would say if you haven't played this game, you were stupid and you were dumb at the same fucking time. That's what you are. Because... This new update for Halo Infinite has completely reinvigorated my appreciation and love of this game. And I've been in a really sad place with Halo lately because, for some reason, I don't know, the Halo Infinite kind of let me down. Like, at first, it was great. I love the multiplayer. I love the campaign. I was really excited about it. But it's just a combination of, like, not that, like, content wasn't coming out fast enough. I'm not on, like, team like, fuck you, 343. We need more maps now. But it's just, like, every time there was content... I felt like they were always doing the wrong thing. It's like, why is it another map that just looks like the Pacific Northwest or some forerunner infrastructure or like something kind of soulless and unimaginative? Or like, why are they not focusing on like adding new equipment to the game? Or like, why are they why like, why is the game feel so sweaty? What about this game? feel? What makes it feel so competitive? Is it skill based matchmaking? Is it is it? time to kill is it something about the movement is like what is it the spot like what is it about this game that feels so sweaty when i play it i just haven't had a really good time on halo infinite as times worn on and so really for the most for the most part this past year i just i just haven't really played halo infinite a lot like every couple of months i'll boot it up i'll play it for an evening and i'll be like am i enjoying it yet like no and i feel bad saying this like season three i bought the i bought the battle pass when it came out I played it for like a weekend. And I was like, I'm just not feeling any of this new. I, I wasn't feeling the bandit when the bandit weapon was introduced. I wasn't feeling the new maps at the time. I got to like level seven on that battle pass and noped out. And then season four came out. I didn't even play it. I didn't buy the battle pass. I didn't play whatever updates came with it. I don't know what season four was even about. I just didn't. I was like, you know what? I just got to stay. I don't need to feel an unnecessary pressure to, to engage with Halo just because I like Halo, like, if if I need some space right now, I'm just going to take that space, but something about, I don't know what it is, but it seems like everyone's kind of on the same page, too, where it's like, something about Season 5 was just like, this is the drop, this is the moment we've been waiting for, here it is, Halo's back, baby, like, I I went back when they introduced um, infection a few months ago, and I was just like, yeah, I'm still not feeling it, but this update is a big fucking update, yes, we have these two new maps, and we'll get into that in a second, but also, everything about this update just feels like the change this game has been needing. I don't know if I'm going crazy or if this is in a, in a a patch development log on the website somewhere. I don't know. Maybe I'm just making this up, but the game feels different. Something feels different. The game feels a little smoother. The feedback feels a little more responsive, a little more responsive. The the guns have been tuned a little bit, or at least some of them have been Um, something about this game feels different now. I'm playing these new maps, first of all, shout out to these new maps, they're phenomenal. I don't know their names, but there's the one that's like that Needler cave, like where all the Needler energy shit is harvested and mined to make the Needler weapon, which is a fucking awesome location for lore purposes, and also just a beautiful looking map. It's a really fun small scale map, I, I adore the hell out of this map, it is an instant classic, I love this map. And so I'm playing that like crazy, and then the other map, I don't like it as much, but the other map is pretty solid, it's a pretty solid map. And um, it's like that kind of, I don't even know what it is. It's like, a, it looks very Halo 2. It's like an outdoor, uh, it, some kind of structure in the sky type deal. But it's a very fun capture the flag or objective based map. Um, kind of a medium to large size map. And both maps are really solid, but there's just, but more to the point than just, wow, finally new maps that look visually different from the rest of the game. And also new maps that are just kind of fun and, and well, well structured. But more to it than that, it's like, the game just feels a little different. And again, I, I might just be speaking. I don't know if maybe 343 came out. and was like, we have changed nothing about the tuning of the game. It is exactly the same as it was six months ago. Jesse's fucking stupid. Don't let him convince you that things have changed. I don't know. But I, I, I'm i just playing the game. And for some reason, it just, it just feels a little different. Like I'm having fun. It kind of feels like back when I used to play like Halo Reach a whole lot or Halo 4 and 5. Where it's like, you know, some games I lose. That's fine. But most games, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of like dominating. I'm like, I, I'm having consistent games where it's like, oh, look, I went twenty and six on Slayer. That's fucking awesome. Oh, look, I got the MVP award because I'm, I'm capturing the most uh, bases and strongholds. And, and and look at that, I'm the king of the hill. I got the most time on the hill. Look, at, like, it's like back to the way it used to be when I played Halo, where I'm like, okay, sometimes I lose, sometimes I get my ass kicked, no doubt. But you know, a little more than half the time, maybe like 60%, 65 percent of the time. I kick ass. Like, I do really well. And I'm like, I don't know if, again, maybe they just tuned the skill-based matchmaking and now I like it better. Or maybe they really did work with netcode or maybe they really did tune the weapons differently. I don't know what it is, but this game just feels snappier, more precise. The feedback's a little better. I'm just enjoying it a lot more. And these new maps are great. And so shout out to shout out to that aspect. But on top of that, they didn't stop there because next week, the new firefight mode comes out Firefight being one of the best parts of Halo, and I can't wait to try that out. And then on top of that, they introduced AI into, like, enemy AI into Forge, so you can build, like, scenarios and levels, and I saw people are, like, remaking Left for Dead maps and shit in in, uh, in Forge mode and all that stuff, so I can't, I can't wait to give that a try, I was trying to join other people's custom games, and I don't know if there was issues or something, but I couldn't get into any of them, so I was a little disappointed with that, I couldn't really give it a go, but I, I gotta figure that out this week and, and try that, although I probably won't I'll be playing Alan Wake too, but, God damn it just it feels so good in, in seeing this resurgence in players and this overall like happy attitude people have about Halo it's just so exciting to see people like enthusiastic about Halo again so shout out to 343 and the work they've done with this new season I love the new ranking system by the way with having Spartan ranks back I wish there was a way to like check your progression so like what the next level is and what all the levels are. So you can kind of like check your rank relative because it's not like you're rank one of 200, you're rank three or whatever. It's like you're a corporal bronze tier four or something like that. You know, it's like very much like the halo reach leveling or, or rank rank system in terms of your Spartan rank. So I hope they expand that out a little more so it's a little easier to look around the menus and see like what the next level is or like what all the leveling tiers are so you can see relatively how how high or low rank you are and all that. So I do hope they expand on that and I'm sure they will, but I wanted to shout them out because while they're already on this high where Halo Infinite's feeling so good, this new content drops really good. Halo goes out the Halo the official Halo Twitter account goes out and tweets the following and they say uh, that a Halo 3 refueled update is coming out on November 14th. So not only next week are we getting this new firefight mode, but then the week after that, is the week after that, or two weeks after that, right? Next week. Okay, I guess it's like two weeks after that. A new Halo 3 refueled update is coming to Halo Infinite. And so what is that? Okay, eight Halo 3 maps are being remade and brought into... Halo Infinite, and from what I can tell, this isn't like, we remade them in Forge, or like, our highest, biggest fans remade them in Forge, and now we made a playlist with them, which is, it's cool when they do that, don't get me wrong, but it's not that, it's like, no, no, 343 is bringing these maps from Halo 3 into Halo Reach, like, official ports and updates of these maps, and it's so cool, so the following Halo 3 maps are gonna be in there, Isolation, Narrows, High Ground, fucking shout to High Ground, one of my favorite Halo maps of all time, Cliffside, The Pit, Domicile, Sylvanus and Critical Dewpoint. I think they've renamed some of these because this is kind of a thing they're doing in promotion of the new Mountain Dew game fuel which is coming out on November 6. So, some of them some of the maps have like a little bit of a Mountain Dew theming twist to it or something like that, which is ridiculous but also like super fun and stupid in a, in a really good way. So, I'm very excited about this. We're getting the new Halo game fuel on November 6. No doubt I'll be uh Man, dude, the first thing I do when I when I close on this house and buy a refrigerator is I'm gonna fucking sh- screw you broccoli and chicken breasts. I'm stocking that bitch high with Mountain Dew, uh, with Mountain Dew Game Fuel. So that's the plan. Um, so this is this is a good good thing. This update's coming out. I'm gonna move, get the TV installed, get the internet in there, get the refrigerator full of the Mountain Dew Citrus Cherry, and then I'm gonna play some fucking nostalgic Halo Three maps and be like, look. It's like uh, nothing's ever changed. I'm just, no matter where I go, no matter where I live, I'm just playing the same fucking eight Halo 3 maps. But anyway, I'm very excited about that update. Very much looking forward to it. And it's, uh, it's just, dude, shout out to 343. Very happy about that. Um, So yeah, not playing Spider-Man 2 yet, not playing Sonic Superstars yet, not playing Mario Wonder yet, but Halo is firing on all cylinders, and it's it's really heartwarming to see the player base shooting up on, on console and PC, and to see people are just really enthusiastic about Halo at this point in time, so even though everything with the narrative of Halo, with the way they fucked over the narrative of Halo 5, and now they're fucking over the narrative of Halo Infinite, even though that's all a complete clusterfuck and it sucks and it's disappointing, at least on the multiplayer front, Halo is in a really, really solid spot right now, and that just makes me super happy. So shout out to Halo Infinite. Shout out to 343 Industries. I love you guys. I hope you guys bounce back bigger and stronger than ever before. And uh, that's it for what I've been playing this week. You guys, next week, we'll be talking all about Alan Wake 2. I cannot wait uh, to get my hands on that this weekend. But uh, yeah, that's it for what I've been playing uh shout out to blink 182 they put out a new record this week so yeah, it's all, all the nostalgia stuff here we got our old halo 3 maps we got new blink 182 music in the year 2023 it's, it's a good time to be a nostalgic video gamer all right let's take a quick break and then jump into the news all right so let's kick off the news i do want to just real quick acknowledge that microsoft had a um they had the 2023 yeah let me see what what they called the 2023 Xbox Partner Preview which was like a little mini showcase thing showing videos basically there's was a series of trailers kind of like a mini showcase of various indie games and third party partners that are going to be releasing games soon for Xbox and so it was like a little a little showcase showing off trailers for imminent third party and indie games coming to Xbox so i knew this wasn't going to be like a super big deal but i did want to just uh Kind of go over and highlight a couple things that were shown at the show because I think some people will probably care. So they sh- we, we got our first. And I'm just gonna go down the list. I'm, I pull up the article from Windows Central that's just kind of like showing everything that was that was displayed at the event. I'll, I'll say and uh, so just running down the list real quick. They did show the first trailer for Metal Gear Solid Delta, which is the Metal Gear Solid Three from the ground up in Unreal Engine Five remake. And I must say the game looks pretty pretty damn good. I know a lot of people are a little like dubious of like the quality what the quality of this will be like um, knowing that this is a from the ground remake being done by a team that doesn't you know a developer that doesn't have the best track record I forget man I, I think they're Singapore based studio I forget their name uh, but they don't have a really great track record I know a lot of people are a little skeptical about whether or not this would come out looking great but it it, it does look pretty damn good and uh, I think my guess is gonna be that at the very least, you know, Metal Gear Solid Die Hard fans might have their opinions, but if you've never played Metal Gear Solid 3, this is probably going to be the premier way to play. In fact, that's probably the way I'm planning on giving it a go. I, I do want my one of my plans for 2024 is to play through the entire Metal Gear Solid franchise um, or as as much of it as I can through Xbox, because I've only ever played parts of two and all of the first game, despite watching my brothers play this series. Basically, my whole life. So I do want to finally get acquainted with all the entries, you know, from firsthand next year. And so I must say, this this does look pretty good. But yeah, so that was like the first thing they showed, pretty big one, one of the bigger things they showed for sure. And then they also showed a new trailer for Alan Wake Two. I will skip over this. I'm not watching this. I'm on media blackout for this game because it comes out in about a day from the time you're listening to this podcast, and I just don't want to spoil any of this for myself. So sorry, I got nothing to say. Alan Wake Two. Here's a trailer. Just go play the game. I'm sure it's going to be great. Remedy doesn't make bad games, so just go play the damn game. Uh, next up, they showed a trailer for Ark Survival Ascended, which, oh my god, I don't care. I'm pretty sure this is a an update or a new thing for for Ark Survival, which I don't understand because I thought they were making an Ark Survival 2, so I don't know why they're working on Ark Survival. But, uh, yes, I, I just have so little enthusiasm for Ark Survival that I'm just not... Again, not not to be negative, but just because I just i gotta be genuine I, I don't care about arc survival so why would i sit here and talk about it if i don't have to then next up they showed off this this new mode for like a dragon infinite wealth so the upcoming uh yakuza game like a dragon infinite wealth they showed off a new trailer um which which introduces this new like mini game or sub mode or like that will be in the game where you can go to the this island i guess the main island you play in the game and it's like it's like like a dragon or yakuza's version of like of like uh animal crossing where you can build this island out and meet neighbors and build property and design and decorate and and all these things it's basically like yakuza meets meets animal crossing a little bit and it looks cute and fun but the last thing i need is more time sunken into these games because there's just too many of them to play so it is very cool it's fun to see them really fleshing out this game and introducing new mechanics to keep players hooked but oh my god as if we needed more excuses to spend more time on this franchise because there's just so much to engage with when it comes to the yakuza series or the like a dragon series as it's now referred to but yeah so i thought that was pretty cool um that game is coming out on january 26th and then, of course, as a reminder, The Man Who races Name is coming out November 9th, a day one Game Pass game. So again, so much Yakuza if you're a fan of these games. So that's what they showed next. Following that, they showed a trailer for Still Wakes the Deep, which is a narrative horror game from the, creator, cr- the creators of the Amnesia games, which looks pretty, com- pretty interesting, I'm not going to lie. Uh, very atmospheric, very walking sim-like, which I know a lot of people don't like. Problem is, I don't like the Amnesia games, so I feel like this is probably a, like a wait and see what people have to say about it before you go take a look at it but it's expected to come out in early 2024 and it is developed by the chinese room which is uh they they are that everyone's gone to the rapture studio that no they, they yeah they did everybody's gone to the rapture yeah i love that game so that yeah maybe i don't know this game looks pretty good looks pretty compelling i'm pretty sure they showed it off for the first time earlier this year though uh, next up they showed uh manor lords uh, which I have just, you know, it's, it's going into Xbox Partner Preview, but I just have nothing to say about this. It'll be a PC Partner Preview game. Um, I don't know if it's coming to, uh, to console at all, but it is a war strategy type game. And I just have, you know, again, in all honesty, I have nothing to say about it. Uh, but it does come out on April 26th next year. So it is a game that is going to be aligned with Xbox. So we're going to see more on that in the future. Next up, they showed a game I haven't seen before that looks freaking awesome. Apparently, no, no, this this is now just being announced. This is new. Okay, so anyway, Thunderful Games, the it's an indie publisher, announced another partnership with Xbox. They they did the Gunk game that came out about two years ago on Xbox. They announced another partnership with Xbox for a new uh, game that they're publishing for Xbox. It will be a game pass game yeah i would look forward to this most likely a day one game pass game but this game let me me talk about what the game actually is instead of just talking about this other stuff that no one cares about so the game's called ikaro will not die and it looks fucking awesome i don't know what this game is but it looks like a action like maybe metroidvania type game with that's like 3d with a little bit of 2d stuff but mostly 3d and it's like an action slightly slightly platformer like sci-fi traversal type game so it's like a little bit of tony hawk slash sonic the hedgehog meets a little bit of like uh like a 3d character action adventure game like like i don't know for lack of a better word like a jack and daxter style game or like jack 2 or something like that in like this sci-fi cyberpunk world and it looks just so fucking cool i'm very much interested in this game and I will 100% play this. It's being developed by, and I don't recognize these guys, Future Lab game. The game looks phenomenal. It looks super badass, really good get for Game Pass. This is that kind of like supplementary stuff you need for Game Pass. That's like really gonna help spice up the service because in between your big games, you just need these nice like, oh, I'm gonna play this game this weekend and have a really good time with it. Like Raven Lore was, or Ravenlock was earlier this year, or something like that, where it's just a, you know, it's just a nice supplemental little game for game pass and i think this looks like really really good shit and so very excited to see more about that next year hopefully when it comes out although they didn't say anything about release date so we'll just have to wait and see they showed some other stuff a new RoboCop game things like that uh, they showed dungeons of Hinterburg again which i feel like we've seen recently but that will be a game pass game but i don't really want to talk about any of that i just want to talk about the last game they showed which is called the finals this game has been revealed already but they they kind of had a big announcement with it where um, the finals, which is a team-based competitive shooter game, um, is having a closed beta, which will be available the day this podcast goes live, Thursday the twenty-sixth. So if you're a game, if you're an Xbox partner preview member, you can jump into this closed beta and give it a try. The game is being developed by Embark Studios, which is a team I've never heard of. It doesn't look like they've really done anything. They may be a support team, um, but they're a European-based studio. And I think it's being published by, uh, next, not, what is it, what are they called? Exxon? Nexon or whatever? Not Exxon, not Exxon Mobile. Uh, but I think Nexon or whatever, that, uh, Korean publisher. I'm not sure, but, um, it looks really, really good. in in kind of a cringy way, but also a good way. It looks like, a, it's a kind of European style military first person shooter look, kind of like, kind on of like Battlefield 2042 almost. But with all the trappings of, like, these kinds of, like, modern. Free to play multiplayer games where it's like, whoa, I have a lot of personality and I'm in a battle royale game. Watch me do a quip and look at this girl with purple hair who doesn't take shit from anyone and is totally a badass. And here's a panda bear costume. It's like, it's like one of those games a little bit mixed with like some of the visual combat and stuff of like a game almost like Battlefield 2042. I would say the game looks like a perfect blend between battlefield and overwatch it's just a very weird mix but it looks really good like the gameplay looks really fun uh, and the um, the graphics and the visuals are very stunning which I feel like you see this a lot with these like these odd European games like these Eastern European games that like look visually stunning but are a little janky when you actually play them. Uh, but I don't know, man. This game looks cool. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. Um, hopefully give it a try with this closed beta. I would like to play this game for a little bit, just kind of get a feel for it, because that's like my big thing with this. It's like I, I know I don't have time for another games as a service multiplayer online game, but it just looks so interesting that I at least want to get a feel for what it's what it controls like. It's got like zip lines and it's objective based multiplayer. So it's like kind of like that Overwatch style Modern competitive games as a service type thing, um, but it looks also like serious and totally goofy at the same time. Like you're in an arena and there's a crowd cheering for you, but also you got like super serious, badass looking weapons and you're like killing the fuck out of people. So it's a very odd mashup of artistic styles and flares. I'm glad they just don't go for like a cartoony Fortnite look at the very least, but it does look very cartoony, not in its, not so much in its art style, but in terms of its like tone and demeanor. Um, so Again, I normally I'm not so much a fan of these games. I am like, I feel like this kind of stuff is a little bit like a dime a dozen to- type of deal. Kind of reminds me of like Hyenas, which just got canceled. <laughs> but it also does look fun, and I'm always open to play a new, fun game. So I will give this game a try. I'm very curious to see how people respond. Apparently there was a beta for a different closed beta earlier in the year, and people said that it had performance issues. So I'm curious to see how this beta plays out if it plays well if it looks if it's fun to play how it is all that all those good things so very much looking forward to this game and uh yeah that's that was the partners showcase and really not a whole lot nothing of super substance like severe substance or anything like that just um a couple things to gloss over real quick so with that said let's jump into the bigger news stories there's only three really this week and, and there's nothing too huge but interesting stuff nonetheless starting with microsoft's earnings report and where Xbox fell into all that. So From VGC, Microsoft's gaming business enjoyed a record July to September quarter in terms of revenue generated partly uh, driven by the release of Starfield, of course. And its quarter one 2024 results published this Tuesday, the Xbox parent company said that it had generated over $3.9 billion from gaming, uh, which is the highest ever in a quarter one report for the brand, and it's also a record for a non-holiday quarter. Overall gaming revenue increased by 9% year over year, which Microsoft said was driven by the growth of its first party content and game pass. It's notable that this window, July to September, includes the much anticipated release of Starfield. Starfield was the best selling game in the US for September and according to Bethesda, it reached 10 million players during the month via full purchase and via game pass. So when you combine all the numbers, over 10 million players. Microsoft said revenue for Xbox Content and Service, which is by far the division's biggest money generator, was up 13% year-over-year, year, driven by growth of Game Pass, which is really good. I'd like to know those Game Pass subscription numbers, since we know they've been flat for a little bit. I'm very curious to know what Starfield has done to the subscription numbers on Game Pass. However, Xbox hardware revenue decreased 7%, which Microsoft said was driven by lower number of consoles sold, offset by partially higher prices. Unlike fellow platform holders, Sony and Microsoft, Microsoft doesn't announce its console sales figures as part of its quarterly results, so we don't know how the boxes are selling, although this is very interesting because what this tells us is Xbox as a division is doing well, Xbox hardware, not so much. So this is actually a little bit of a red flag to me, because even though in the moment it's like, yay, celebrate for Microsoft and Xbox, the, the division's doing well. It's growing, money's being made, revenue's being generated. I'm sure Microsoft's quite pleased with these numbers. The problem is, last year, last month, despite Starfield being the best-selling game of the month, and despite how much it clearly bolstered these numbers for Microsoft over their Q1 earnings, It's a little nerve-wracking to see that something like Starfield didn't really move the needle too much on hardware revenue. In fact, hardware revenue decreased. And also keep in mind that during that time period, they released that Xbox Series S that comes in black with a terabyte hard drive. So it's like they introduced more options for hardware during this time period, and still hardware fell. PS5 was the best-selling console during this time period, despite the fact that Starfield came out. And Xbox hardware fell, despite the fact that they came out with a slightly refreshed new skew of the Xbox Series S. To me, that is trouble. Because it means that Starfield is doing really well among people who already own Xboxes and among mostly PC gamers. I'm sure uh, Starfield did very, 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 very well on PC. And that the people playing on Xbox are people who already own an Xbox... And are already subscribed to Game Pass or you know maybe bought Starfield on Xbox, but that's a very small number of people. And so it's great to see that Starfield is driving people to subscribe to Game Pass. And it's great to see that Xbox made a lot of money for whatever, you know, that matters uh, over the quarter in terms of keeping their, their brand healthy and alive, right? But it's concerning because at the end of the day, I know much like myself, a lot of you guys feel similar where... I want Xbox to continue to exist because I like Xbox and I like playing my games in this ecosystem on this platform, but I want to make sure the box is always there. That's great that we can stream it from a stick or have Xbox be an app on our TVs or play Xbox games on our phone and cloud stream this and that and all the various ways we can engage with Xbox's service and platform off of the actual hardware itself. But at the end of the day, and like Phil Spencer recently said, there will always be a box and he wants to support those players first. those people that are buying the actual hardware and so as someone who loves xbox in the traditional sense where i love the console i love the xbox series x i love the games i get to play on that machine it's a little concerning that the brand is growing and doing well and bringing in record-breaking revenue while sales of the hardware are decreasing that's a little bit of a concerning number so i just want to bring that up so it's like a little it's like it's like half a cause for celebration and half a little bit of like a red heron. So, all right. So that's really all I have to say on that. Um, just something I want to, you know, keep your eye on. Uh, I'm sure Microsoft will have some aggressive kind of Xbox Series S holiday bundle that will be announced shortly. Um, like they did last year where they were selling Xbox Series S for 250 during the holiday period. I'm sure they will do something like that again this this year to get aggressive to get more Xboxes pushed through the, through the next quarter through Q2 and then you know we'll see like if if so what's the next quarter october november december if in january we're talking about q2 numbers and and it was still kind of like yeah hardware's down it's like you know because last year xbox series s could be had for steel steal during the holiday season but during a year where there was no games coming to xbox worth a damn right this year if you do a similar deal and you can get an Xbox Series S for 250 especially with how bad inflation has been this year, I feel like that's a really alluring deal for people. It's like, hey, for 250 you can get the Series S. That will play the new Starfield game everyone's talking about. That will play the new Forza game. Um, that will play Alan Wake 2, which Jesse's really excited about. So you can put that on the back of your box. Um, so I feel like... I don't know if you can't, if you can't have a really big holiday, post some really big holiday numbers with, with that kind of position in place. I feel like then we got a little bit of a, little bit of a concern on our hands. All right, next up, let's talk about doubling down on being, being a a maker and a publisher of video games, kind of alleviating some concerns that maybe uh, no one had until right this second, because now Satya Nadella saying so. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella says that the company is doubling down on games, uh, the gaming division following its acquisition of Activision Blizzard. In an interview with MSN, which is Microsoft's news outlet, the acquisition topic was brought up, and Della is was asked. Uh, why it's so important, especially given how big the $65 billion acquisition costs. He says, it is, but we're really excited about it, Nadella said, Explain that games have been one of Microsoft's three main arms ever since the company's early days. For us, there are a few things that we get to go back, all the way back for us as a company, he explained. Gaming is one, right? When I think about Microsoft, I think of perhaps, oh, you can tell that Satya Nadella and Phil Spencer share the same PR train, trainer Uh I do that. When I think about <laughs> when I think about Microsoft, I think of perhaps developer tools, proprietary software, and gaming. Those are the three things that we've done from the very beginning. And to us, gaming is one place where we think we have a real contribution to make in its consumer markets. Nadella went on to explain the games that games are only becoming more popular with each new generation that Activision Blizzard's acquisition puts Microsoft in a stronger position to cater to that growing demand. If I look at it, quote, the amount of time people are allocating to games is going up and Gen Z is going to do more of that. The way that games are made and the way games are delivered is changing radically, whether it's mobile, console, PC, or even cloud. So we're looking forward to really doubling down as both game producer and publisher. Now we'll be one of the largest game publishers and also the company itself is building a plat- is building platforms for it. And quote. By acquiring Activision Blizzard, Microsoft has now become the second biggest games publisher by revenue right behind Chinese company Tencent so that shoots them up because they were behind Sony and Nintendo and all that that shoots them up from fourth place I believe to second place so that's a that's that's a big big fucking deal so a little bit of this is like a you know PR opportunity Microsoft's media outlet is interviewing Microsoft's CEO to talk about Microsoft's uh, big acquisition and what that means positively for the future of the brand and for the company Okay, whatever. But also, here's Sachin Nadella publicly saying, like, hey, guys, we're here to double down and commit to games. And I I feel like it's kind of interesting because when you think about, like, the PC market... Oh, God, now I sound like Phil and Sacha. Uh, when, When I think about the PC market and the history of where gamers have been... No, but for real, when you think about the history of the PC it is funny because gaming has always been a core part of it and it is always it has always been throughout history just like yeah this cool computer device that has a processor and ram and all that um it, it does things and it's like you, you give these machines to nerds whether it's the 70s 80s and 90s all the way to current day and it's like someone's always gonna figure out a way to play on it. It's like, yeah, we can do all these kinds of complex calculations and be really productive and do really intense work with these machines. But also, hey, look, I can make the ball go up and down and hit it with the ping pong paddle, right? Like we can we can have fun with these things and make and make fun times happen with computers. And that's always been a comprehen or not comprehensive. That's always been a very core pillar to the experience of, of computers, of home computers. Um, and when and I feel like Microsoft is one of those companies that's like they never really acknowledge that so much of what's done on Windows PCs has been gaming. But now that it's kind of convenient to them, they're like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's always just been such an important part to us to focus on the gaming. It's like, bitch, Xbox happened because of like a small group of individuals who are super passionate about making this thing happen. And you've always treated Xbox like the ugly redheaded stepchild. And now that Xbox has got like You know, it's in the spotlight a little bit for a big acquisition. It's kind of growing and making some moves and things are happening. You're just like, oh, yeah, Xbox has always just meant the world to us. Uh, Video games is such a big part of our history. So, of course, we're going to continue to double down and invest in it. It's like, bitch, please. You never loved Xbox until now. Although, I will say... With respect to Sachin Adela, if any CEO ever had an excuse or an opportunity to really pull the plug on Xbox and just walk away from gaming, it was that guy. And thank God he didn't do it. He did do it to our precious Windows phone, but he didn't do it to Xbox, thankfully. And also, shout out to uh, that that interview, in the same interview, I believe, where Sachin Adela was um, talking about, or it was a different interview, I think, maybe. I don't know. But this week, he he was basically quoted saying that, he he regrets not exploring mobile further and that he pulled the plug on windows phone he thinks too soon so ha take that windows phone's awesome it shouldn't have gone away please such you know Dell, bring it back bring it back bring it back you can have xbox just bring back windows phone please uh i, I said half jokingly but please don't please don't take away xbox but anyway so yeah i mean there's again aside from this it's just yeah of course he's gonna say they're doubling down on it the good thing is i truly believe that microsoft is very committed to gaming obviously if you're going to spend 60 uh, almost 69 billion dollars uh, to acquire Activision Blizzard you better be committed to gaming. So it's like on the one hand you have an Xbox that's saying, "Hey, we're making a lot of revenue, we're generating a lot of revenue over on Team Xbox, things are on the up and up. Console sales are down. You got your CEO coming out and saying, "We're doubling down on gaming. We're not going anywhere." It's like, "Oh, he also says the part where he says we uh we're, co- uh, we're a company that's building platforms for it for gaming." Um, so it's like oh man they're talking about mobile they're talking about streaming they're talking about game pass on other platforms but uh, i need i need to hear Sachin adela say something about the box say something about the hardware say something about how you're really committed to the home console space please for the love of god so there's Sachin adela weighing in on it all and then we have one final story to talk about this week which is that xbox leadership visited blizzard headquarters in irvine california this week for the first time since Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard, so Sarah Bond was there, Phil Spencer, all the all the big wigs over at Xbox visited um, uh, Blizzard in California, and so basically the story reads Activision's. EVP for Corporate Affairs, Lulu Cheng uh who you may remember for all of her kind of cringy Twitter posts where she was like, "Corporations are awesome." Um, during the uh, <laughs> during the uh, trials, the scrutiny trials uh, between Microsoft and the FTC and the and the CMA. But anyway, uh, Lulu Cheng Meservey was uh, sharing some images of a welcoming event this past week, uh, and this this comes from windows central where they they said that a relatively low key affair took place where phil spencer addressed an an assembled uh blizzard employees to kind of be like hey guys uh we're here to talk about your future now as part of xbox so according to windows central sources phil spencer emphasized that he had no answers but instead xbox would be listening to the needs and desires of blizzard staff which is just god such the right pr thing to say quote spencer said that microsoft is striving to be a a source of trust for blizzard and wants to enable blizzard to achieve its vision and and dream the publication says is windows central microsoft's leadership team which has also included studios matt booty uh included studios boss matt booty and sarah bond reportedly stated that they see blizzard as the pixar of the gaming industry that is kind of funny because i actually also have always i think a lot of people have said that that blizzard is kind of like the pixar of the gaming industry but i think you could also maybe kind of say that a little bit about insomniac it's either them or insomniac but that is funny because i i i kind of feel that that energy as well anyway they say it's perhaps most notable that according to the same sources virtually no activision uh branding was present at the event uh however one image posted by measure v does show the prominent activision logo former xbox cvp and current blizzard president mikey barra shared an image of a canvas featuring blizzard and xbox branding activision had reportedly held increased influence over blizzard in recent years and published the cost cuts uh and published for cost cuts And faster release schedule. Blizzard has its own problems in recent years, including widespread allegations of toxic workplace conditions, of course. So, okay, a couple of things I do want to mention on this one. First of all, I think Phil Spencer's little quote there is is very poignant where he's basically saying, like, hey, we're not here because we bought you and now we're your new bosses and things are gonna be changing around here. What he's basically saying is like, hey, we're the new guys, we came and impeded on your territory by dropping a bunch of money and being like, you're ours now. Our first objective here isn't to isn't to rule you and tell you all the things we're going to change in your lives. It's for us to sit back, learn who you are, learn how you operate and say, what do you need from us to continue to be the best you can be? Obviously, you know, we've seen blizzard be one of the great studios over the years and we want to know what we can do to enable you to continue to be the best studio you can be and and also foster probably a more healthy and and, and uh a, a, of a work culture considering the, the the you know the allegations and the spotlight you guys have unfortunately found yourselves in over the past few years because of some unscrupulous individuals so i, I assume that's basically kind of what phil spencer meant by what he said i think that's kind of classy and, t- and tasteful the way he did it to be quite fair but that being said it is cool. I think kind of like what we were saying last week about Phil Spencer being like, yeah, I'm really interested in exploring this portfolio, letting any team work on whatever game they want to do and exploring the backlog of back catalog of Activision games. I appreciate his attitude, and his demeanor. But again, I wonder what it's like when we're talking five, six months down the road where it's like, you know, maybe Bobby Kotick's gone by then and you're in the captain's chair and... And we're trying to get the next Call of Duty prepped and ready for 2024. And It's like, okay, what's what's the game plan, Captain Spencer? You're in charge of Activision Blizzard. What do you do now? Here, we handed you the keys. It's kind of a fucking mess. It, it is it is controlled chaos the way this <clears throat> the way this publisher operates. And we want to know what you're going to do to make things continue to well, uh, to operate like a well-oiled machine. And that's kind of like the what's Phil Spencer going to be saying and doing when we get to that stage in the Xbox operates Activision blizzard, you know, story that's, that's when I'm, really curious to see is what the action looks like more than the words so to speak in addition to that i don't think this is what the story is mentioning but something of the story said did kind of light my imagination on fire a little bit talking about how like there was little to no activision branding anywhere shown in the images and stuff and it was like xbox talking to blizzard i think that's because sh- straight up they're just trying to make it a specific event about xbox addressing blizzard because blizzard is the number two to activision and this is an opportunity to be like okay we've Talked a lot about Activision and to Activision. Now let's talk to you, Blizzard. This is your moment to, to be acknowledged. So I think it's nothing more than that. But the fact that they even mentioned that did have me think it's like, why why don't they just dissolve the Activision name? Because when you buy Activision, I don't think the Activision brand is the valuable thing. Unless I'm wrong. I'm trying to think like what why what I'm saying right now could be misconstrued as very stupid but it's like Blizzard is a very valuable name with a stable, very valuable IP, and King is a valuable name with a with a stable, valuable IP in the mobile space, but Activision as a publisher name doesn't really need to exist anymore in a world where Xbox owns them and they're not a publicly traded company, and I say that because over the recent years, Activision's done such a good job, such a stand-up, stellar, A-plus, classy job of obliterating any resemblance of any aspect of that company's history outside of Call of Duty by demoting studios, shutting down studios, taking studios' brand names and identity away from them and then shoving them on Call of Duty support to the point where it's like, Activision is basically the the parent company of just the Call of Duty franchise alone, and then that parent company also owns uh, Blizzard and King. So it's like... I mean, at that point, it's like, why not just get rid of the Activision publishing name altogether and be like, all the teams that were under Activision are now part of Xbox Game Studios and, you know, Infinity Ward and Raven and Treyarch and all these teams and Beanox. You guys are just Xbox Game Studios teams now, you know, because whether you're under the Activision umbrella or whether you're under the Xbox Game Studios umbrella, all you're fucking doing is making Call of Duty games, so like, why not just bring it all in? I understand why you keep Activision separate, right? Because Act I, I- or yeah, Blizzard separate, because I because I-, I agree, Blizzard is like the Pixar of the games industry, right? Like you don't you don't take Pixar you know back when Disney acquired Pixar and be like John Lasseter and Brad Bird and all you guys you all are just shoved into Walt Disney Animation Studios especially not because uh, because let, let's be honest Pixar is better than uh, than than Walt Disney Animation Studios to be honest and you know you don't you don't take the guys that made Lightning McQueen and shove them up against the guys that made Frozen you just don't do that okay although Frozen's a bad example because Frozen happened way after Disney bought Pixar but that's just a, that's just a joke okay. Calm down yeah i mean like i I think blizzard has an identity you know blizzard you say blizzard entertainment and people think warcraft overwatch heroes of the storm starcraft like a a, a litany of gaming franchises come to mind diablo people people start to think about very specific ip uh, made by very specific team like blizzard makes sense to keep blizzard as a separate silo like you have bethesda as a separate silo i i get that but activision it's like well they 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 folded like Neversoft and took these guys from like Vicarious Visions and shoved them into Infinity Ward and called them like I think they're I think Vicarious Visions is literally called like like um they're called like Infinity Ward Canada or some bullshit like that. Like they they've literally neutered and destroyed so many of these teams at this point that it's just like, yeah, why not just make Call of Duty part of Xbox Game Studios and get rid of Activision as a brand altogether? I mean, I, I don't know. So it's just a maybe it doesn't mean anything at the end of the day, but maybe that's a decision that can't be answered yet, because what you have to do is you have to decide how is Activision going to be run? And that's another question that we got to start to ask ourselves now as as this deal is is completed and we move on to the reality of Xbox owning Activision rather than the potential possibility of this deal going through, which is like I kind of get why they let Bethesda just Operate the way it does independent of Xbox and be like, you know, Bethesda is owned by Microsoft and is part of the Xbox family, but it is independent and separate in its own way. I kind of get why they do that and allow that, especially for like Bethesda Game Studios and stuff like that. But like, I don't know, just do you need to do that for Activision? Like Atari is not really around anymore. Crash Bandicoot's kind of around like Tony Hawk. I don't know. We thought they were bringing it back and then they just didn't after a while. And then, like, Spyro doesn't get any games anymore. Skylanders doesn't get games anymore. You don't get unique one-off things like Prototype anymore. You guys don't make Spider-Man games anymore. Like, like Activision is none of the things it used to be anymore. So, it's like, if it's all just going to be Call of Duty, you might as well just save yourself the trouble of just owning and operating so many brands and divisions and just bring all those teams into the xbox game studios portfolio and that way maybe you can have a little bit more like synergy and cross-pollination between all your xbox game studios teams um if, if you just bring those guys all in-house and also just make Treyarch an xbox game studios team because that's a that's a cool idea make black ops make black ops a halo game god damn it anyway i don't know that's just my two cents on it i just think it's interesting but yeah i am very i'm very up now that the deal's done it's like it can't we can't go back it is what it is we're moving on right this is the reality very optimistic about the future of all these teams and these brands under the xbox tutelage because i just think just think we can get some really exciting stuff i know it's gonna be hard i know at the end of the day call of duty makes way too much money to stop the machine and at the end of the day that's the that's the monster you have to feed and i say as someone who loves call of duty but that's the that's the beast you have to satiate before you can do the exploring of bringing back guitar hero and the creating new ip and bringing back prototype and all these things like before you do any of those things, you got to satiate the Call of Duty machine. But I feel like there's a there's 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 an intention and a willingness and an, and a and in a, a hope that we will explore the catalog of Activision games that we will do more. And I'm very excited to see what that looks like. Um, with xbox at the helm so cool that's gonna do it for all of our big news this week you guys let's round out real quick with the important enough series s- stories stories important enough to make the podcast but not important enough to warn their own discussions real quick from vgc square enix has given a release window for the upcoming xbox open beta final fantasy 14 which will be in mid january to february final fantasy 14 will officially launch on xbox's console in the spring of 2024 bringing the mmo to xbox players for the first time next up Hotline Miami series has been uh, is going to be released for Xbox Series S and X consoles. Both Hotline Miami one and two are available digital for digitally from today as Hotline Miami Collection with free upgrades for existing owners and new achievements slash trophies being added to the game. Publisher developer Dil- Dig- Digital man I can't speak. Uh, the retro styled ultra gory action game debuted in t- uh, 2012 and was well received by both critics and players. And the sequel came out in 2015 with similar love and fanfare. Next up, VGC says Night Dive's Star Wars Dark Forces Remaster has been given a February 28, 2024 release date and will feature 4K resolution, 120 frames per second support, depending on the platform you're on. I assume that's everything but Series S, basically. So interesting, exciting news there for the Doom Star Wars game that people are excited to play again. Uh, next up, VGC reports the release date for Amazon, Prime's video, Amazon Prime Video's Fallout TV show has been announced. A tweet from the official Fallout on Prime account shows a new teaser video, which seemingly confirms the date for the first episode, which is set to be April 12th, 2024, because the video ends with 4 implying that that will be the date. Bethesda and Amazon confirmed in August that the Fallout TV show would be released in 2024 and set in Los Angeles, the fictional realm of Los Angeles. All right, and finally, I did just want to mention this. This is kind of more for me than it is for you guys, but whatever. Uh, from VGC... <laughs> Actually, this is from Windows Central, what am I saying? But, uh, yeah, Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare 3 promotional thing has been leaked by someone on Twitter under the name ghost.mitty. Uh Basically, they, they took a backroom photo at a Little Caesars of this Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 promotional thing where uh, you'll be able to unlock a Little Caesars Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 Operator skin, which I cannot wait for. It's uh, it's that cool like uh, dude that wears like the fucking morph suit mask with all the gear. But it's orange and it's got the Little Caesars logo and it says hot and ready. And on his utility belt thing, he's got a pizza cutter hooked up there and his hat says hot and ready. So it kind of plays into the Little Caesars uh, gear you were able to unlock when Modern Warfare 2 came out last year. I assume that will be something like Go to Little Caesars, order this specific item. On your receipt, you'll get a barcode that, or a, a, an unlock code that you can redeem on your Xbox for Call of Duty: Modern Warfare 3, and then you can unlock the skin. Which I'm 100% gonna do because last year they did this with Call with a uh, with Little Caesars yeah. and Mountain Dew, where I got the Mountain Dew Operator skin and I had the Little Caesars char- or charm for my guns, and I basically ran the whole year of Modern Warfare 2 playing as the Mountain Dew guy with the Little Caesars pizza skin. Uh, or um charm on my gun and so now i'm absolutely gonna continue that tradition with modern warfare three i can't wait so very cool all right guys that's gonna do for all the dudes this week and all the stupidity hopefully nope stupidity will continue on because we have one more section left and it's the best section of the podcast it is the comments the shout outs you know how it works you go over to youtube.com slash xbox on podcast at xbox on podcast on youtube.com Click on the latest episode and you drop a comment. You can say anything you want. You can be nice. You can be mean. You can be somewhere in between, but you better say something, please. And if you uh, have access to podcast services or listen to the show via podcast services like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, whatever the hell it is you use, please consider leaving a five-star review so we can get the show into the hands of more and more people and corrupt the entire planet with my nonsensical stupidity. Our first comment of nine comments this week comes from Clanky. Who wrote in and says, I forgot to post my comment last week about Guitar Hero. If Guitar Hero was revived, what are your thoughts on having Xbox Design Labs being controlled, control of making the guitars and being able to customize your own? I don't know if I brought this up and talk, touched on it briefly or if maybe someone else said something about it. But in case it hasn't been said, yes, I, I think this is highly imp- improbable. Oh, no, I think I was just talking about the idea of Xbox using their in-house efforts to make these controllers again but yeah this is this is taking a step further yeah um let me just get this out of the way i don't think this would ever happen but i love this idea and i think it would be so fucking cool if if they did bring back guitar hero and xbox uses their in-house hardware team that makes like xbox controllers and stuff be in charge of designing the the band kit the guitar hero controller and the drum kit and all that stuff it would be so badass if you could go into the Xbox design labs and like even if it was just like a guitar plate that could attach onto the controller, maybe not necessarily the actual controller itself. But even if it was like, um, I don't know, even if it was like you just design a guitar plate or something for your controller and you can put like your gamer tag on in, like select from all these different colors and designs and stuff and, and build your own guitar hero controllers or face plates and then be able to get them shipped. And uh, I, I that level of customization, bro, I fucking love that I love that so much of course I think the future of Guitar Hero could exist but it would have to be kind of a platform game it wouldn't be like Guitar Hero 29 guitar now that's what I call Guitar Hero episode 437 featuring Luke Kentley and all this fucking hip-hop because they don't actually make rock music anymore yeah but I think I I love this idea I want this I want this so bad I'm gonna keep willing it into existence even though I don't have the power to do so because I want so deeply to have Guitar Hero come back be as good as it was in the old days, not not later Guitar Hero because I didn't play too much of Guitar Hero 5, 6, and all that stuff. I, I had Guitar Hero 5, but I didn't play too much of it past that. They got a little carried away Warriors Rock and all that shit. Like, none of that, none of that. We just need good old classic Guitar Hero 3, Guitar Hero 4 era Guitar Hero back in action, make it a platform, continue to add new content, new modes, new seasonal event that's the kind of stuff you got to do right like like make it like really engaging yes you always add new songs new song packs new new content to the game but also add like really cool stuff like oh it's a guitar hero event where uh, tom morello is going to be playing live in guitar hero 7 and you're going to be able to play along with him and then for this weekend and do this thing. And like, I don't know, like come up with like cool ways to like make it a games as a service type games and game and keep people engaged in the, uh, in the platform of guitar hero. Maybe I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being stupid shooting from the hip and, and saying nonsense, but, I just want Guitar Hero to come back, and I love the idea of them taking it this seriously. Has to be like, yes, we're bringing Guitar Hero into the Xbox Design Labs. We're making it. We're bringing the game back. We're making it a platform. We're gonna have Lazy Eye by Silver Sun pickups in the game again. It's gonna be awesome, and you're gonna play it. It's gonna feel like 2006, and you're gonna be really cool while you do it. I love it. Let's let's make it happen again. Bring back rock music. Make it legal again for popular music to have guitars in it. Please, for the love of fucking Christ, um, I love electronic music. It's cool. Computers can make really cool music, too. we got to have some room for guitars in here somewhere, guys. Please, for the love of Christ. All right, Mike Clark writes in with the next one. He's got three-parter. Let's just, let's just go through it. Mike Clark can have as much time as he wants. He's a god among men, and uh, we, we shall respect him as such. My favorite Xbox podcast now is 16 times more Activision Blizzard, but no Sonic. How dare you? The Obsidian version of Fallout is goaded. Just picked up Alan Wake Remaster. Hope to give it a go this week. But damn, the sequel is looking glorious. Dude, the sequel looks so good. I, I for once I don't envy someone who hasn't played you know it's always like, oh, I played Red Dead Redemption 2 for the first time. It's like, dude, I would I would kill to be able to re-experience that for the first time. It's such an amazing game. I envy the fact that you've never played it and now you get to experience it for the first time. Alan Wake is not one of those games because even though the first Alan Wake is a great game, Dude, Alan Wake Two looks like such a superior. It looks like such a big step up. If I were you, I'd be like, get through that remaster, get through Alan Wake Remaster, so you can get your ass over to Alan Wake Two, because it looks like this game's gonna be good eating in in about 24 or 48 hours when it comes out here. So I'm very much, Ooh, well, I'm looking forward to it. And I hope I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think about Alan Wake. I'd be curious to know. It's a very good game. Uh but you continue on. You say, Bobby's walking away with 390 million dollars. He built an empire and is getting paid. Phil is. Thinking, thinking. Fuck Hexen. I need my. I need a new yacht. Lol. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, Bobby. Yeah, Bobby's definitely gonna get away with a huge, with a huge payday. But hopefully, he just. Hopefully, just that he goes away, and then we can move on and we can bring back Guitar Hero. Sony, uh, Sony don't does not have the capital for Take twos uh, to purchase Take Two, but buying from Embracer Studios and IP could be something to look at. So I do want to talk to this. Y- yes, but Sony could probably get the funds if they wanted to. You know, like if Sony wanted to borrow money or partner with someone else to go and buy like a take two or something, I think they could they could do so. But yes, you're right. They don't have like the cash on hand like Microsoft does. But yes, another thing they could do is buy studios from Embracer. I don't think they should or would because I don't think Embracer really has teams of that high quality. And Sony is usually a lot more deliberate and picky and choosy, especially compared to Microsoft when it comes to acquiring studios. They usually only want to work with the best of the best. Now, they've kind of bucked that trend a little bit with some of their recent acquisitions, I would say. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, they're acquiring teams that haven't even put out games yet, which is very unlike Sony. But traditionally speaking, they usually only get, like, the best of the best. So I, 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 can just, I just can't see them, even, in fi- even like, in a fire sale, really buying anything from... from um, from uh from embracer maybe gearbox but like i don't know like i feel like gearbox is a little overvalued because i know they're good i know they have history and i know they've made great games but it's like they if they've proven anything in my opinion if they've proven anything over the past decade or so it's that they're kind of in they're kind of not not capable of making a hit game unless it's just another borderlands game so i feel like they're kind of creatively in a little bit of a spot to be to be completely honest Anyway, you said, uh, been saying this about Xbox Manager for a while, but they don't have a Miyamoto or hell, even a Mark Cerny to lean on uh, with their problems. As far as I'm aware, Matt Booty, Sarah Bond, and Phil Spencer have never designed a video game. I'm pretty sure Phil Spencer worked uh, in game development, although I don't know to what extent. Anyway, yeah, they yes, Xbox has never really had like that kind of like savant style, super genius person behind them, and I, I do think it shows. I do think that's that's true that... They, they kind of need something like that. But anyway, you say great show as always. Congrats on the house. And thank you again. Have a great week. Oh, also, have you been thinking about creating some YouTube shorts? Um, no, I haven't. To be honest, I haven't. I don't have a problem with YouTube shorts, they're fine. I find myself watching them sometimes. It's just TikTok, just like TikTok is TikTok for TikTok and just like Reels or TikTok for Instagram and everything is fucking, th- dude, I, I downloaded the Rooms2Go app on my phone because I'm, I'm I'm looking at freaking couches for my house, right? So I download Rooms2Go's app because I wanna buy a couch to sit on and play my Xbox in my house one day is my dream. The fucking Rooms to Go app has has Instagram stories. What is this? What What is wrong with the world that we just constantly need to be distracted by these short-form videos? What is happening right now? I can't shop for furniture without having to watch a fucking Instagram story for like 20 minutes. Like, what is happening? Uh, I have not thought about doing YouTube shorts. It would probably be a good idea, but let's be honest. The Xbox On uh, community is not really being formed on Twitter sorry not Twitter YouTube and um, aside from this being the place where people go to leave their comments uh, most of this podcast growth comes from podcast services so that's really where I'm focusing the, the majority of of trying to get get attention and get new eyes and ears is through um, is through podcast services but I don't know I'm also just lazy and stretched for time I, I, have, I have no I have no time I get home from work so late and I go to work so early in the mornings by the time I get home it's like eat a bowl of pasta and fall asleep. On the couch watching Master Chef. That sounds actually great right now. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Thank you for having me, Mike Clark. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And just know, you have really nice hands. Cronky writes in and says, "Top five Activision Blizzard franchises to bring back. Number five, Hexen. Four, Darkwatch. Three, Singularity. Two, Starcraft. And one, Warcraft. What do you mean bring back Warcraft? I guess you mean like real Warcraft, not like Warcraft World of Warcraft. You mean like Warcraft Four or something like that?" Um, no, top five Activision Blizzard franchises are, I don't know the order of them, but if I'm just going to shoot from the hip like you did here, um, it's the Spider-Man movie games they made in the early 2000s. It's Guitar Hero, it's Call of Duty, it's Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. I know this know what I'm missing, I don't know. Oh, in uh, Matt Hoffman's Pro BMX. <laughs> yeah, that's the other one. They need to bring back that, I don't know. Oh, did they do X-Men, who did X-Men, um... X Men Legends, yeah, dude, bring back, yeah, dude, that's what they should do. Get get Raven to bring back X Men Legends. I I actually executive order. I actually just decided, uh, Cronky, fuck you, you're wrong. What they need to do is make Guitar Hero a games-as-a-service platform game in the vein of Guitar Hero World Tour. That's the first thing you got to do. And make sure you have Lazy Eye by Silver Sun pickups on the set list because that, that song rocks. Okay, that's the first thing you need to do, right? Second thing you need to do is um, cancel all Call of Duties except for Black Ops games and make Black Ops a game that comes out like once every four years, once every four to five years. And and, and on the years where we don't get a new Black Ops game, just give it like a shit ton of support, like new apps new content updates new seasonal events things like that so call of duty continues to operate kind of as a platform service type thing get rid of warzone fuck warzone it's a waste of time and money nobody likes warzone warzone sucks ass so you just got black ops on constant rotation guitar hero constant persistent online games as a service type content breeding whatever thing it is okay then you remake all the old spider-man movie games spider-man 1 2 and 3 remake them okay Then you make a new Tony Hawk game that kicks ass and is in the vein of Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. And then you make X-Men Legends 3. You do that? You make all five of those games? Phil Spencer? I will personally jerk you off. You have my word. All right. next up, Tim R. writes in and says, Hell yeah, Willy Wonka Tactics, Charlie's Revenge. The power-ups are weird afflictions uh, that are put on the kids. Violet do the blueberry boulder smash. I know that's a reference to something stupid I said last week, but I don't specifically remember what. But Tim R, hope you're having a great week. Thank you for writing. Sam Frito writes in and says, As a community, let us all stop being sorry for our backlogs. Games, the endless journey to see improvement. Great show. Be good to yourself. Reality ain't easy here in O-Town. Is that what we're calling Orlando now? Uh, Thank you, Sam. I hope you're having a great weekend. And uh, by the way, I must say, your hair is looking mighty fine this week, so keep it up. All right, we got uh, a really—I'm uh, very excited about this next one. Um, we got two more commenters, but this next one super, super compelling because it's from someone who hasn't written in a long time. Very excited and happy to see them here, Mr. Count Scottula. Welcome back to the show. Count Scottula writes in and says, "Still loving the podcast. I know I've been quiet for a while, but I'm still listening. That—that that puts a lot of pressure on me, Count Scotula. Now I got to perform because I know you're here." Uh continuing on you said, Yeah, I can so a couple bullet points here. Yeah, I completely share your sentiment about Modern Warfare three. Uh remember last week I was talking about Modern Warfare Three, how it, I, I actually kind of agree with the sentiment that it just feels like seventy dollar DLC despite being good, despite being fun. I'm just kind of surprised how samey it feels. Um, Kyle Skyler says, I pre ordered, played a bunch Thursday and Friday and couldn't even bring myself to play it over the weekend. It's great, but definitely not new. The nostalgia's there, but it doesn't make me feel like grinding. It is sad that they're not bringing over the Modern Warfare 2 maps. I still play the crap out of it um, for a few. I'll still play the crap out of it for a few weeks, but it's not getting me super excited. I'm glad I'm not the only one that feels that way. Not because I want other people to be disappointed, but just because I don't know. I feel like kind of crazy, like the way I was interpreting my time spent with the game. But I'm glad I'm not the only one, uh, or, or you know, in terms of being crazy. Although I guess I knew I wasn't the only crazy person in the world. But count Skyla! Sorry, I'm sorry that you're disappointed by the game because I, I do, I do want Call of Duty fans to be satiated, to be given the games they deserve. But you know what? The thing is, I thought about and like I, I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be mean to a game studio, especially considering I don't fucking know these people and and I couldn't do a fraction of what any of these people do for a day to day with their jobs. But what did we fucking expect? It's sledgehammer. It's always, dude. Every time I play a Call of Listen, it's like this, it's always the same. Treyarch makes a Call of Duty game. It's great. Infinity Ward makes a Call of Duty game. It's pretty good, but it's got some things I don't love about it. Sledgehammer makes a Call of Duty game. What is this? What is this shit? It's always Sledgehammer. They always make the weakest Call of Duty game. So it doesn't surprise me. I'm getting the samey, additional content. Doesn't feel special. Curse you, Sledgehammer. Although I really don't blame Sledgehammer for that. I think they were just kind of put on, on bitch duty to do expansion content. But anyway, uh, continuing on, Count Skyless says, Halo Infinite Season 5 is very good. I had put Infinite down a while ago, so I had a blast for a few hours. So I had a blast for a few hours. I've gotten to sink into the update. The new maps are great, and the AI edition uh, um, has put some new life and customs with some interesting pvp combinations. I hope they keep churning out seasons that we are, that are this substantial. Yes, amen. I really, I really hope Halo is at least, you know, considering Halo Infinite's whole, like, platform 10 years of halo type thing was like completely uh, botched and and is now like no longer the plan i hope they can at least salvage this game by continuing to support it with great content um over the years to come and so far they're showing that they're capable of it it's just a matter of whether or not that's what we see happen but yeah i really need to figure out how to play those custom games because i really want to try that new PvPvE shit um anyway you said i Also, you round out with a with a final comment that I'm very excited to address. You said, I'm planning my next trip to Disney World. What month would you recommend for the least busy time so I can hit the most rides? I'm looking at like January, February or September, which is well known to be the least busy months. But I wonder what you would recommend. I went in February when I was a kid and there was record breaking cold weather and the park was absolutely empty. I rode Space Mountain over and over again with zero cue. Cocoa Beach was awful uh, as it was cold and miserable, but Disney was unbelievable. I know recreating that experience for my kids is unrealistic, but avoiding the crowds on my trip is a highest priority. I gotta say, this is a very difficult question to answer or to provide any kind of input or advice on because back in the day, the conventional wisdom was if you wanna go to Disney World during a low, um, a low, a low weight, a low crowd time of the year. It was exactly you already hit the nail on the head. It's January, February. But it's like if it's gonna be January, it's gotta be like later in January. It's gotta be like I would say I would say do not visit in January any sooner than January twentieth. Like really skip the first half of January altogether. Because there's a lot of like spillover from from um from the holidays and people that take extended breaks and things like that. But I would say like like mid to late January throughout February, with the exception of president's day and Valentine's day. That used to be the conventional wisdom is like, go then or go right when the Northeast goes back to school. So I'm, I'm from the South and in the South, we like you would go back to school around like August time, but I guess in like the Northeast and stuff, you guys go back to school in like September. So the rule of thumb was always wait until the beginning of September when all the kids back up North, go back to school And then go to Disney World because the combination of kids are back in school and it's now hurricane season for Florida would deter people from coming here. So like September, early October, but especially like, you know, September, maybe late August, but especially the month of September. Golden time to go to Disney World. Parks are dead. It's beautiful. You have it all yourself. You might get some rain. Yes, it rains a lot that time of year, but suck it up. It's Florida. You came here. You should know better. It's going to rain. Get over it and have a good time. And that was so true up until, I would say, like, 2016, 2017. That is no longer the case. Um, From 2016 until COVID happened, it was basically just, like, 365 days out of the year, Walt Disney World is just a fucking bitch. Don't go there if you don't want everyone else's body sweat on you. Like, that was just the plan. And ever since COVID, it's been very weird because... That first year, once things started like normal, like last year, I would say, when everyone was like kind of doing that, as the media would call it, revenge travel, like everywhere was busy, like anywhere you'd go, if just everything was sold out, everyone was going there, prices were skyrocketing. But this year, Disney's been seeing a sharp decline in attendance, and they keep talking about it how like their parks are not as busy as they thought they'd be. And, um, Right now, I think what they're saying is their early 2024 bookings are looking really bad. And you always know when Disney World's not, when, when bookings are down because they're offering good hotel discounts. So a little pro tip, if you're trying to book a hotel, now is the time to uh, plan your stay for Disney World because hotel discounts are, are, are far and wide and, and pretty good, like 35% off certain rooms and things like that. Um, that being said, it's hard, it's hard to gauge a good time to go because this summer was really slow. Traditionally, summers are busy, but lately summers have been slower. So this summer was a great time to go. Um, This past September was kind of slow like it used to be, but I don't know if it will be that way next September or if this is just an off year. And a lot of people are speculating, well, people spent all their money doing that, quote-unquote, revenge travel last year. So people are taking a year off this year. But some people are saying it's because of the economy and people are uncertain. Some people are saying it's because inflation prices are high. I assume it's a little bit of everything, but lately it's just, yeah, I mean, Tourism is definitely down here in Orlando. I mean, it used to sometimes take me up to like an hour and a half to get home from work, passing by Disney and SeaWorld and all that shit. Nowadays, I I can get home from work in like 45 minutes some days. Like they, they expanded the road a little bit, so that helps. But like a lot of it is that tourism is down for sure. So I, it's kind of a hard question to answer because I would hate to say, oh, for sure, you can come anytime early next year. The crowds will be good. And then you you come and then you're like, fuck you, Jesse. Everyone wait till January. So it's, it, it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's a complete crapshoot. I'll say that for sure. I think another contributing factor is that it used to be like wait for all the people from like New Jersey and New York to go back home after the summer and then the locals can come out and it'll be dead here. But the fact is the entire state of the entirety of the states of New Jersey and New York have moved to Florida. Now all of them live here. So like they're the locals, so like you know there is no such thing as like wait for the northeast to go back to school because they're all here now. So I d- I don't I don't know what to advise because I don't know like in my experience it's like the parks always feel crowded these days like there's never a time where they park where the parks don't feel crowded. I will say wait times if all you care about is getting on rides, wait times have gone down dramatically. Okay, here, here's the thing I'll, I'll keep it succinct. I'll get out of here. It's an Xbox podcast. We don't need to linger on this. This is what I'll say. Go – try – follow conventional wisdom because it's probably still your best bet. I would say September. I think September is a really good time. September was always my favorite time to visit um, before we moved here um, because I felt like hotel deals were good. I'd rather it be a little muggy and rainy but still kind of like manageable rather than it be cold because contrary to popular belief, it does get cold in Florida in January, February, and it's especially bitter cold because it's like a muggy cold. So like the air is still humid, but then it gets cold and then it's like – the wind is like freezing fucking cold. And I say this to someone from Atlanta where I promise you Atlanta gets genuinely cold. Florida's winter, even though it's only like 72 hours long, is fucking miserable. So I would say don't do Disney in January, February. I would say do the September thing. Sweat your ass off. I like sweating. It's good for you. It's healthy for your skin. So do the September trip. Book your hotel now because there's really good discounts being offered. And I would say try to plan to visit the parks on weekdays more than weekends, because locals are a thing. And for sure, if you're going to visit on weekends, make sure you do Epcot on a weekday and not a weekend, because the locals love Epcot. There's nothing a Florida local loves to do more than shit on Walt Disney, uh, the Walt Disney Company, and then go to Epcot and spend tons of money on alcohol. So definitely avoid Epcot on the weekends. But I will say this. This is the last thing I wanted to mention. Uh, ever since Disney reworked their FastPass system, and now it costs money to get FastPass, um, they have just been making up bullshit numbers for their wait times in their parks. So, like, you might have the Disney app, and you can check the wait times on the rides at any point, in the, you know, the day, and you and you'll see, and you'll be like, oh my god, it's a it's a ninety nine minute wait right now for Seven Dwarves Mine. Oh, it's an hour and a half wait for the Slinky Dog roller coaster. Bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's all made up. Disney just makes up ridiculous, inflated numbers for the wait times so that you'll buy their stupid paid Fast Pass they do now, but the standby wait that's free that you don't have to pay for. It's super short. I know this because I never pay for the fucking Genie Plus add on skip the line thing. And I never wait in line for more than like 50% of the time quoted. Like if it says it's an 80 minute wait, I usually wait 30 to 40 minutes. If it says it's a, a 60 minute wait, I wait like 20 minutes, 20 to 25 minutes. It's like, it's insane. They way over inflate these times. Um, so I, w- I will also say that. Maybe try to visit in September. Keep in mind that just because the wait time is posted super high doesn't mean the weight is actually high. They're just trying to get you to spend money. And uh, no matter what, it's always going to feel crowded because people who live in Florida are incapable of uh, being aware of their surroundings and bump into everyone and everything. And they like, to be, uh, they like to be completely motionless and still when they're in walkways. So they will like to block your walking path at all costs. People try to blame the tourists. I'm sorry, tourists. It is not our friends visiting from the UK. It is not our friends visiting from Canada. It is not our friends visiting from the Midwest. It is the locals of Florida. They are fucking uh, next level stupid and they can't move. So I apologize in advance and uh, enjoy your trip to Disney. I hope that helps. I don't, I'd be a terrible vacation planner. I just realized. But thank you for writing in. Couch, It was good to see you. Good to hear from you. Hope you're doing well. You and your family, and then we'll round out with our final comment of the week. It's another non-video game related con- uh, question, so uh, just in the, in, out of respect for your time, if you wanna if you wanna nope out right now because we're done talking about Xbox, then have a great week. But uh, Mr. Mal writes in with the final comment, and says Jesse, congrats on the house. I'm looking forward to the, uh, stream your streams once you get done and all the hard work is done with the move. Any financial advice for us folks similar to your age? Um, I assume you mean in terms of, like, trying to buy a house. Um, Well, I think, first of all, thank you for writing, Miss Mag. Good to see you. Hope you're doing well. Um, uh, Yeah, I don't know. Financial advice, uh, I will say this. Uh, (laughs) The market sucks, and the cards are stacked against you. If you were just a working-class person trying to build a life for yourself, yeah, it sucks. The pricing sucks for everything, and it's hard to to build a life for yourself when... um, when you when when your grandparents' generation are, are like fucking selling their their house for eight point six trillion dollars that they bought for like eight hundred bucks in nineteen thirty one, but um, I'll I'll say this: I'm very blessed and fortunate for the situation I'm in because while I do just have like a completely regular day job and I make a very like standard like regular ass working class American borderline uneducated kind of income level, I will say that the reason why we're in the position where we were able to buy a house is simply just because I have a girlfriend who is very committed to making this work. And we both very much are on the same page and want to buy a house and own a home together. And that has been like a top priority for us for as long as we've known each other. That's pretty much it. Honestly, it's, it's because a lot of people look at the pricing of houses. They look at the interest rates and they go, that's ridiculous. That will never happen. We can't do that. And then they just don't even try. But the, as, as, as discouraging as it is right now with the market being just so middle finger pointed towards the young generation trying to build a life for themselves, you cannot let all the crap that we can't control deter you. And you have to you have to focus on trying to make a game plan that'll work for you. So in my case, very fortunate to have a wonderful girlfriend I've been with for eight years, who's very much on the same page with me in terms of what kind of life we're trying to build together. And so for us, ever since we moved to Florida, we've had the same game plan. We didn't let COVID ruin it. We didn't let inflation ruin it or any of the shit that's happened in the past few years that have made it more difficult to buy a house. Plan's always been the same. So I, I pay the rent in our apartment. I pay all the bills in our apartment. Everything is paid by me. And then she tries to match everything I pay for, for housing and bills with our apartment. And she puts it into a joint account we have for saving towards buying a house. And we've just been doing that nonstop since we moved to Florida. So instead of living well and being like, wow, we both have dual income and we're and we could go fucking eat at Outback Steakhouse every night and have a bloomin' onion for breakfast, lunch and dessert, dinner, whatever you're supposed to say. Instead of doing that every day, um, we've just been saving like crazy for the house. And so basically I pay all the bills. And then I look at my finances when I'm done paying all my bills for the month. I'm like, great, I'm fucking poor. But then she takes everything I do and she matches that, throws into her savings account. It's like, okay, it's like we made we made rent and a payment on the house this month. And we just kept doing that for years and years and years until we had enough money to put down a deposit on a house. And, yeah, it sucks because interest rates are God awful trash right now. And I don't. Know that they're gonna get better. I'm not a financial advisor, and I, I, I hate it because I'm such a I'm I'm such an overreactor and an overthinker. I need to have firm, concrete information and, and confidence and, and and assurance that things are gonna be a certain way. And one thing you have to accept when you're buying a house is that you are in control of nothing. No one's in control of anything and nothing's going to go the way you want it to go. So you just got to be prepared for the financial realities of what might happen. So in our case, um, you know, we were going to buy a house back when homes were like $200,000 with interest rates of 2.9%. I swear to God, when, when we first moved to Florida before the pandemic, it's mind boggling. Like there were homes here that are like beautiful, perfect homes for well, well under $250,000. And I was like, I could I could afford that one day. I could I could work my ass off and save enough money to afford a house like that with a sub three percent interest rate. And then you know the pandemic happened, and all of a sudden it's like seven percent interest rates. Uh, you want seven square feet for six point nine trillion dollars? It's like it's insane. But again, it's just um, you know we we went new build. I'll say this: we went new build intentionally because when you go for a new build home, you don't have to you don't have to bid with other people for the house. So I know a lot of things that are, a big thing that's happening with a lot of first time home buyers is they can't, they can't buy a used home because every time they try to put their measly 10, 20% down on a home, they get outbid by some fucking goon from New Jersey that's like, oh, I got $2 billion in my in my account because I made a lot of money in the industry back when I was a young boy in the 70s. And then they get outbid and then the fucking 25-year-old, 30-year-old couple can't buy their first home because Joe Brony wants to buy his seventh fucking house so he can put it on Airbnb and all that shit and ruin the economy and ruin the housing market for everyone. So we just didn't even bother with that shit. We know that's the thing that people have been dealing with steer clear of it we decided to just go new build so we went to a builder um the how the the price of the house is preset we don't have to fight for the pricing or anything we know exactly what to plan for and then we sign the agreement we lock into the the house we want to build and then we have like the five to nine months while they're building the house To continue to prepare and save and plan and schedule for our move. And so for us, that ended up working a lot better. And then also a lot of these these companies, what they'll do is when you build a house, they'll give you like a move in credit. They'll give you like a purchase credit and you can use that credit to buy down your interest rate. So even though our our interest rate, don't get me wrong, our interest rate is absolute shit. (laughs) Like I think we're at a 6.5% interest rate, which is atrocious, but um, we were able to lock in and buy that that interest rate from a seven down to a six and a half percent interest rate. Um, and now we're locked and secured at that rate. While I think right now interest rates are in the high sevens, low eights. So like it's only getting worse and worse and worse. So that's the other thing. It's just about finding an interest rate that you can somehow stomach and manage long enough for eventually, hopefully maybe down the line interest rates will drop in a couple of years and then you can refinance your house at a lower interest rate. And then your house will suddenly become affordable because um, the fucking federal reserve isn't trying to fuck over working class americans from ever owning property you know instead of maybe stopping corporations from buying up all the single family households let's just as uh, a we'll just raise interest rates so that all the working class families are fucking poor but anyway that was our thing i pay all the bills girlfriend tries to match what i pay to the best of her ability throw it in a savings account over time we use that savings account for a down payment Buy a new build house so you don't have to so you don't have to freaking bid get involved in a bidding war with some rich asshole over a house and then um, use your use your move in credit from your builder to buy down your interest rate and try to get a slightly more stomach stomachable slightly more tolerable interest rate. And uh, yeah, that's 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 how it works. So that's that's literally the only honest advice I can give you work hard, say no to anything you don't need. I know, like, based on the podcast, if all you do is listen to this podcast and that's the only way you know me, it probably just sounds like I blow a lot of money on going to Disney World and eating a lot of food. That's not true at all. I eat fucking brown rice, broccoli and chicken thighs like half the week. And uh, I, I save every year and budget for my Disney annual pass so that I'm able to go to Disney World on the weekends. And when I go to Disney World, it's like you park for free. You get get into the park with your annual pass. Try to say no to spending money on merchandise and food as much as possible. Be disciplined buy only certain games, buy games when they're on sale, lean on Game Pass, it's a great value, and just try to be good with your money. Just try to try to know when to say no, when to say yes. You know, if you want to buy a new phone or something, come up with creative, savvy ways to trade shit in so you can get a deal, things like that. So, like, I don't know, just trying to be financially wise. And then also, I mean, I got to give the credit to my girlfriend because us being able to work together, plan together, and thankfully be on the same page with what we want to do um, has allowed us to be able to save in, Thankfully, you know, we're in a really blessed position where we're about to own a home. But well, actually, no, we're in the very blessed position where we're about to be in severe debt to a bank that will own a home that in 30 years we will hypothetically get to own. But nonetheless, it's a severe bless. It's 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 a very huge blessing and we're really excited and grateful for it. So, Mr. Mound, if you have any other questions about that, feel free to DM me. But uh, yeah, I just thought I'd. I thought that was a good ride in something I wanted to share, just because I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who are incredibly frustrated and curious and confused and lost about how this process works. Because if there's anything I've learned the past year, it's that I have been extremely frustrated and confused and lost trying to do research, get sincere advice. I mean, dude, it's it's like feel free to reach out to me, DM me if you want any more information on that. I'm happy to talk to you and help you out. But it's a fucking roller coaster, dude. Like we um we were actually like halfway to. Uh, starting building on a, on a on a new home with a different uh developer with a kb homes a different home builder in, in here in florida and then we had to back out with them last minute thankfully we were able to get our money back and cancel that deal um, because they were just so fucking awful and sketchy to work with and their their lender their mortgage company we had to work with was the was the absolute worst and thankfully the 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 company we went on to work with is awesome so far it's been a really great experience but that first company was God awful trash, and uh, and uh, the reason I bring that up is just to say there were so many things that happened during that that portion of our experience where it's like we didn't know what we were doing. We got a realtor to try and you know help buy ourselves the assurance and the in the professionalism to help guide us through navigate the waters as much as possible. And even then, it's just there's just so many so many questions, so many things where it's just like everyone is out to just get your fucking money and fuck you over. Like they will lie to you left, right, up and down, center all day long to try and get you to buy one of these houses. They'll lie to you. They'll just like way over-approve you for way more house than you can actually afford. And you gotta be financially smart about this stuff. You gotta hold yourself accountable, do some serious, honest work, look at your finances, figure out what can I really afford for a house? What do I actually need versus what I want? And try to be as modest as possible with taking on a mortgage because... These motherfuckers will try to be like, oh, yeah, you could totally afford a $480,000 home. It's like, no, I fucking can't. Don't you dare try to get me into this house. I swear to God, dude. It's like we're we were trying so hard. We're like, because you cannot buy a decent house these days for less than like three hundred and a billion dollars. I don't know. We were like really trying. We're like, we really don't want to spend more than like three hundred fifty thousand dollars on a house which makes me want to throw up even thinking about it because my, my dream for the longest time was to buy a house for under two fifty, And I mean like some of these fucking mortgage companies and these builders, they'll try to get you approved and oversell you for whatever. They'll be like, Oh, based on your credit score. Oh, based on, Oh, based on this and that. And we did a, a search on you and we did, and, and you submit all these documents. Oh, you can totally afford a house that's $400,000. Like don't, don't bite whatever someone tells you you're approved for. You can afford Try to go, try to go like twenty percent less at least. Buy yourself that cushion, man. You need room. you need room in your finances to save money for a rainy day and to be able to afford an AC repair or something happens on your home. You need money in case your car breaks down. You need money in case you break your leg and you gotta go to the, the the hospital or something. Like, don't don't let these fucking goons talk you into financial peril and 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 being house poor. It's just anyway. I've gone on and on and on. I appreciate the write-in, and like I said, if you have any further questions, feel free to DM me, but I just thought it might be helpful. If anyone's out there listening, trying to maybe hopefully one day aspire to become a homeowner, something that used to be so fucking easy, you could trip, you could fucking trip and fall into home ownership in this country 50 years ago, and nowadays you got to be like a fucking fucking real estate tycoon to even own a trailer home at this point. Feel free to reach out to me, let me know. Um, Just want to be able to offer some kind of assistance, assurance, help to anyone I can because god i wish i had more of that uh, 10 months ago when i was in that situation so that's gonna do for our podcast this week xbox on the official financial podcast slash disney vacation planning podcast slash halo cuck sucking podcast uh, number one on the internet really and uh and i appreciate you guys all for listening so i hope you all had a great time uh, a little bit of a weird one S- slow news period um but next week get to talk about alan wake 2 super excited it that and that in modern warfare 3 those are the only two games i have this year that i that I could get to purchase. I'll figure out Sonic later on in January or February, but for now we got to get through the rest of the year with, um, with Alan Wake and call of duty. And I'm very, very, very excited for Alan Wake this weekend. So we'll talk about that next week until then, please be kind, look both ways before crossing the street. And if you're going to shake someone's hand, make sure it's not the hand that you just picked your nose with because it's disgusting, and that is how polio spreads, probably. So until next week, have a great week. Eat delicious food. Be good to yourself. Be good to others. Uh, And and, and, uh, power your dreams.